Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. And now a word from our sponsors. Yes, we got sponsors. First up, Foo Wax. The best wax in the game. This stuff is so sticky and grippy, you'll never slip off your stick again. Ever. Ever. Again. So go to your local surf shop. And, and make sure they carry it. And if they don't, demand it. Demand it. You'll be stoked. Try it out. Our next sponsor, Bonsai Bowls. Oh. I know a lot of our listeners have, have had one of these. And if they haven't, they're going to now. They're missing out. They're missing out. It's a healthy, delicious, amazing, fresh acai bowl with tons of fruit and organic like ingredients. They've got five locations in Southern California. From Huntington to San Clemente and all in between. Two in Hawaii. Two in Hawaii for that, those on the North Shore. And, um, you know, come support these guys. They have amazing Asahi bowls and they support the West Coast board riders and a lot of the surf events up and down the coast. And they've made it a lot easier With to get them. They've got their own app now. That's right. Go to your app store and download Bonsai Bowl app and you can pre-order, pre-pay and just go pick up. Cut cut through the line. And for our listeners of the Late Night with Chalky podcast, you're going to get 15 off your next bowl. A 15% discount off yes. Bonsai Bowls. That's insane. Um, so make sure to mention the Late Night with Chalky podcast and you get 15% off That's at right. Bonsai Bowls. And one of our other favorite restaurants, oh, Caliente, Caliente OC. Caliente Southwest.com. They offer healthy Mexican style food with local uh, organic ingredients. Family owned. Family owned. Their phone number is 949-515-0909. And our listeners get 15% off there as well. Yeah. So mention Late Night with Chalky Podcast and get 15% off at Caliente OC. And both these guys are great at catering events. So you could use them for a shop event, corporate event, birthday event, wedding, all of the above. They love to party. And last but not least, we are super stoked to welcome Olo Clip as a new sponsor of the Late Night with Chalky podcast. What is Oloclip? Uh, they make the original mobile lens system for your phone. So these can make clips that hold the lenses, the cases that are designed to make it really easy to get the clip on the phone. So check them out at oloclip.com. And for all the Late Night with Chalky podcast listeners, they get 10% off. That's, that's huge. Huge. So at checkout, the code is SURF10, that's S-U-R-F, the number 10, and you get 10% off Oloclip. And you guys got to check check out our Instagram. We're going to be posting pictures with these wide, in, wide lens uh, angles, uh, fish eye, all kinds of cool like photo options with your phone. And for you uh, rich dudes out there, like late night, they do make cl- uh, <laughs> lenses for iPhone 11s. What? What? Epic. Thank you, sponsors. Thank you. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Welcome. We got an awesome guest today. He's a pioneer 
co-founder of the Volcom band, Mr. Troy Eckert. <laughs> Troy motherfucking Eckert. Whoa, why do you have to throw up on us, bro? Because it adds. It adds to the, uh, the effect. Troy, known, yeah. you, known you since you were a fucking Grom. Oh my gosh! <clears throat> when 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 did we meet? I was trying to think about that. I, you, I don't even remember, honestly. You lived in Bolsa, or you surf Bolsa all the time? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. You were so, like Tower Thirty Three guy, right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I got a frog in my throat here. <laughs> Drink some water. Yeah, Thirty Three, man. That was the zone. That was like that was where it all really began for me. It was there. Nice. Totally. So, so we'll we'll uh, this is our first time, people. Sorry if uh, the audio is kind of shitty. We are in the uh, COVID shelter in place crap, and this is our first time trying to do a, a FaceTime um, uh, interview. I heard our, our our audio sounds like shit all the time. Hey, that's what I, I heard that too. But hey, you know what? We make the best of it. That's right. It's about so, content, people. Troy, right. um, let's start at the beginning. How old were you, and uh, how did you get introduced into surfing? How, how old was I when I started surfing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was 10, and I, I learned to surf at Doheny. And I don't even know how I was even exposed to it, honestly, but I don't even know what it was, maybe just a magazine or something. I mean, I was young, and my, my parents don't surf or anything, so... I found myself there and then I I think I was like with a buddy or something and 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 just like just fell in love instantly and then my dad like a few months later I don't even know how much longer later bought me this San Miguel twin fin from the ozone in Newport Beach sick so so that was my first surfboard um and yeah that was it 10 years old was when 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 the fever started did you did you keep that board at all or no? You just traded it in and got a new one right away. Dude, I don't even remember. I don't know where that thing is. It's probably just torched somewhere. I don't think I traded in. I was young, so I don't remember. <laughs> so did you grow up in Newport first or or So I moved from I was up in Northern California until I was about ten okay. and and then we moved to Lake Forest and so we were inland and you know, we were we were we were inland up north too, so I wasn't even—I didn't even really know about the ocean at all then. And then we got—we got down here, and then that's—that's that's sort of when I—I I, um, gravitated towards the Pacific Ocean, and Doheny was the first place. And then my parents uh, got divorced, and then they both—they both moved to Huntington area. My mom moved to like these apartments up by the Huntington Harbor, and my dad was down in uh, sunset beach so i split time between the two of them so that's that was like my real introduction to to like being by the beach to where i could actually ride my bike to the beach and that's that's what i did like was just constantly just riding my bike back and forth you know my house to 33 and then to my dad's and just like kind of this big triangle so nice nice Um, who did you who did you surf with back then it was um kyle Meza. Yeah, it's kind of like, <laughs> and then uh, RT Ryan Thomas, Chet Thomas's brother, and the, the Thomas brothers, Matt, Chet, and Ryan. So they all they lived in Huntington Harbor, and um, yeah, met those guys early on. So me and RT were like surfing buddies, and yeah. yeah. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. So that was, that was kind of the little posse. You guys all used to come into uh, Bullet. Yeah, Bullet. <laughs> <laughs> that little hole-in-the-wall, crappy surf shop that I think that was my first industry job. <laughs> That's so amazing. You used, you used to ride those quads, huh? Like those, like the Bullet quads. or Those are Sakels, right? Those were Sakels, yeah. Ed Sakel. Yeah, 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 Ed. Yep. Yeah. So, so did you boogie board first or you went straight into <laughs> surfing? Um, I, I might've boogie boarded, but I don't remember it. It was pretty much right into serving. Like I was pretty much standing up yeah. from, from pretty early on. Yeah. Yeah. At, at 10, it seems like that's about the, the age. It's just you're surfing already. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> um, so yeah, you, 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 uh, started running around with Kyle Meza, Chet, Ryan Thomas, Matt Thomas, uh, was there Steve Black too? Black Dog was in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he was more—he was more of the skater guy, like because you know Chet and they—they they had the ramp at the house, or like actually lawn ramps. I don't even think they had the ramp in their backyard by this time, but they had like lawn ramps in the middle of the street, and it was like Chet doing like judos and stuff, and yeah. then like Black Black Dog was there doing you know tricks off the yeah. off the lawn ramps. It was pretty classic. Dude, it's, <laughs> it's crazy to think back how long we've known each other, and how similar but different all our lives have become right totally totally because uh, one, one degree of separation bro yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like, so um you got heavily into skateboarding too right no not so much i was kind of just like a bystander i mean i i like i love doing it i pretty much i wasn't very good at it so and i knew that so it was like okay go towards surfing because i felt like i was I, I guess I had more fun and I was actually better at it than I was skateboarding. So, but yeah, I mean, skating mini ramps and stuff. I was, I was around it all the time, but yeah. I like, I just kind of like knew I sucked. So it was, it was all good. Yeah. Well, to have <laughs> yeah. somebody like Chet around and see yeah. his progression, <laughs> like he was pretty, he was like a prodigal's prodigal son from the early stages. Right. Yeah, so he, he it was good to be around him because he actually just put the explanation point on how bad I actually was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, we, we we would hit the skate ramps if the, if the waves were blowing out or, or the waves were crappy. You'd be like, okay, what are we going to do? Go play basketball or go skateboard? Yeah, exactly. How uh, you, did you? I'm sure you quickly progressed into into surfing. Did you start doing the the contests and what contest do you remember? 
Yeah, pretty early on I was doing contests, um, like WSAs, of course, NSSAs. There was one that was called like the CBA, I think. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, yeah, right? Dave Sowers, right? What was it? CBSA. CBSA. Was that I think there yeah. were C- Christian CBSA board writers? Think- yeah, Calvary, it was so- Calvary yeah. Chapel, CCSA. There's a bunch of different ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was doing all kinds. I would just get rides with friends and go camp out during the day and surf contests. So yeah, I was pretty... I got pretty quickly into the contest scene pretty yeah. early on. Well, let's talk what? about let's talk about that first local spot, Tower Thirty Three, right? Mm-hmm. T- tell us about the dudes that uh, you were looking up to back in the day. Yeah, I can so, remember some of them. Totally. Well, it's a short list. It's it was pretty much Farney, Scott Farnsworth, yeah, yeah, Gary Clisby, Ryan Keenan, yeah. Those are the three. Those are the three that really stuck out. There was another guy named Jason Hennessy. Do you, got, do you remember him? Yeah, I do. He was gnarly. Yeah. Goofy, goofy footer, man. Yeah. Holy I was just going to say, I, re- I remember that guy. Yep. Yeah. I wonder what ever was, happened to that guy. I don't know. I'm not sure. but so there, was a, are, there was like a Japanese dude too. Um, yeah, Fuji. Fuji. Yeah. Brian Fujimoto. Yeah. I remember he was a, he was a ripper too. Yeah, so Fuji, so that was it. That, that, those, that was like the group, you know, older group above me and like RT and Kyle and us and and uh, yeah, I mean, those guys were like, I mean, they were, they were pros and doing all like the, you know, they were on the world tour and the whole thing at that time. So yeah. it was like, it was so cool and being young and not even really knowing that too much about actually where they were in their careers was so cool to figure it out later of like, well, those guys are like on the pro tour, like doing the bigger contests and like winning contests. And yeah, it was, it was incredible inspiration that just sort of like was right before us, you yeah. know, from the beginning. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you figure like how many beaches and surfers up and down the coast that don't have like a pro, local pro, like right right there every day at your break. It's yeah, totally. Of, it's pretty unique where we grew up for sure. Yeah, totally. And especially Bolsa Chica, like of all places. Like yeah. what like what? Like yeah. where people 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 listening to this might be like, Well where where is that? You know, and it's <laughs> it's it's is it is it it's actually Huntington, like it is part of Huntington, right? Yeah. Bolsa yep. Chica's Bolsa Chica. Yeah. It's such a it's such a just off the grid little little zone. It's it's pretty. It was fun, man. I loved it. So, do you remember uh, who your first sponsors were? Yeah, well, Carl Hayward was my first surfboard sponsor. Sick. Yes, that was my first board too. <laughs> I, I wasn't a sponsor, but I got a, a hand me down twin fin. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, in the beginning, you know, wasn't really sponsored either. But then it just worked out, and um, RT was riding Carl Carl's boards too, and. I mean, that was my first custom surfboard was a Carl Hayward surfboard. And those were the ones I rocked for a long, for a year and many years. And man, he was so awesome. And it was, it really like brought me into the actual process of, sh- of being around shaping and, 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 you know, surfboard manufacturing. And that was really when I was like, whoa, there's a whole nother, you know, facet to this thing as a young kid, like being witness to the, to the actual like craftsmanship an artisan that goes down to actually building surfboards and stuff. So that was so cool to get that experience from a pretty early age. And, um, yeah, and then Carl was just amazing, man. He shaped me incredible boards. So did such a good person. RT is the one that set you up with Carl Hayward? I don't really know how it, it kind of manifested, but it was uh, – I don't know if he had it before or we uh, fell into it at the same time. I'm totally not sure of how yeah. that all went down. How stoked were you, though, like – you know, getting that kind of validation of, of fuck, you know, I'm I'm starting to surf pretty well now and I'm I'm really riding for Carl Hayward. Like how yeah. stoked are you? 
Oh, I was so pumped, man. I mean, <laughs> I was still paying for boards, but it didn't matter because it was like a huge discount at yeah. that time. I think boards were like, shit, were they like 200 bucks? Like 200 bucks for like a brand <laughs> yeah. new board? Yeah, probably. And I, was, and, I, and I was paying like whatever, 120 or something, you know, and that was like amazing yeah. back in the day. So, yeah. And, 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 and trade-ins, right? You get a trade-in? Yep, yep. trade-ins, trade-in Who was your first uh, clothing and wetsuit sponsor? Oh gosh, wetsuit! I believe it was Victory, Victory yeah, wetsuits. Sick. And um, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, Scott and Greg and um, Scott, what was the other question? What's that guy's name? Scott Baldwin. Yeah, Scott oh, Baldwin, red exactly. redhead dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, Scott Baldwin, and then uh, Greg, uh, Greg Wade. Wade. Greg Wade. Yeah, best Greg guy Wade. ever. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so awesome. They had that little factory up on. Uh, I think it was like Graham chemical, or something up there. Chemical Lane yeah. or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So that was always fun going in there and getting new wetsuits and stuff. So, yeah, it was Victory. And then um, you asked clothing, right? Clothing, yeah. I, I, I wasn't really – I was like pseudo one thinking I was riding for Billabong, and I put a Billabong sticker on my board <laughs> but not riding for Billabong. <laughs> so I think I we all have done that. Right? Like in the beginning, <laughs> like I had no sponsor and, and – um, but I think I like put a Billabong sticker because it was that was all during the time of like when Aki was at his prime and even Sunny and I remember this one signing that they did at HSS down there on Warner yeah. back in the day and this was when those guys were all in their prime and 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 I instantly was I instantly like fell in love with Billabong like right right then and there and then all of a sudden I put this like sticker on my board and then I think I ended up getting like a couple like some clothes or something. I don't know. It was just, it wasn't, a, it definitely was not a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> it's my wannabe sponsor. I, I remember getting one of those uh, pink wetsuits with the overlock and got a rash from head to toe. <laughs> totally. I'm totally. like, I don't care. It's blue and white and bright yellow. And I thought it was the coolest Aki suit ever, but it <sighs> rashed me everywhere. Totally. I remember having a piping hot like that too. Oh my and the gosh. Over, overlock hot. seams on the insides, dude. Oh my god, they just like rip your arms apart. <laughs> I think piping hot and body glove were the worst suits back then. Yeah, totally. They, they're, they're always overlock for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Troy. I don't know if anyone else in the world knows this about you. Uh oh. But I'm sure a lot of people know. How the hell did you get into acting? <laughs> where the hell did you find that what do you what do you mean dude i knew you when you were you were a, oh, a yeah, childhood you did, actor you, you did know that that is that is really funny this so, so this is a big of, this is a big thing this is like oh man pretty fucking bitching like you're, you're gonna have to get some epic clips dude i swear you're digging no my mom has like the vault dude i was just out there not too long ago and it's just like all this shit oh my god it was so funny headshots and shit it was heavy so how did yeah who, whose idea was it to get into acting your mom's or oh definitely my mom yeah i mean she was she was um she was a runway model and oh really and yeah she did all that the fashion stuff and that was her world basically so it was like i was me and my sister were kind of like brought up into that world and yeah, before I know it, I was, knew it. I was just doing auditions and then doing print work and then doing a bunch of commercials. Like I've been on so many commercials when I was a kid. Were you in a Burger King commercial? Uh, I don't know if I was in a Burger King commercial. Maybe like a McDonald's or something. I think yeah, because I, I, I do remember seeing you in a commercial. I forget which what, what it was though. <laughs> but tell yeah, us about Webster. Yeah. 
Webster. <laughs> <laughs> right? Huge, huge When's the last time you talked about Webster, Eckert? Dude, this is, this is amazing. You guys are fucking killing it right now. Right? Yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah, I was on Webster. One episode, though. No way. It was more than one episode. I th- may- or maybe two. I don't know. I don't Dude, remember. I thought you were a regular on there. I swear no, to God. No, 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 no. I was like, I was like the the kid in the hallway. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and, and you, the, the bully in the hallway. Yeah. You had a skateboard. Totally. You you were skateboarding in it too. I think. Was I? I I, I don't. Remember, I vaguely dude. remember like. You're like, yeah, Webster, what's up? Let's go skateboarding. <laughs> Something like that. Webster. That's, dude, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, are you still getting some SAG checks or what? <laughs> no, those, those are gone. Those, so those are how, finally worn out. How long did you uh, do that for? Well, it was probably from when I was, before I even remember, like five or six till I was about... 11 or 12 it was right around when i moved to huntington wow and it, it was literally once i found surfing i was like fuck this acting shit i'm going <laughs> surfing <laughs> i mean i was like i was going on i mean there were some weeks when i was going on probably i don't i mean it was like 15 auditions a week maybe more wow so i go so i go like three to four days a week and do like three to four auditions in la and it was like one's in Las Feliz, one's in Santa Monica, one's in Hollywood, one's in Burbank, and you're just like zig zagging across all of Hall. I'm just like, I didn't, I, I was over it, you yeah. know. It was yeah. so, so I just got to a point where I was uh, old enough to make the decision. My mom was cool with it, and and then yeah, that was it. Were, were you were you doing homeschool at the time? How did you how did you juggle uh, school? No, no, there's, we were going after school. So all of the auditions were literally like, we'd get, I'd get out at like whatever, two or three, or sometimes yeah. it would take me a little, a little out a little bit earlier, but a lot of the auditions back then, cause there was not much homeschooling going on was like, they'd start them at like five o'clock in the afternoon. So you'd be doing like, you know, four or five o'clock all the way up into the nighttime. So you wouldn't even get home until like nine or 10 o'clock at night. And then when, when you're in that audition world, it's like, you're going to go on 30 auditions before you even get anything. Wow. Yeah. So it's just like, it's insanity, dude. But you got a yeah. lot of work, though, right? I did. I, yeah. I, I was in a lot of commercials. You're a cute funny. little kid. That's for damn sure. So I, I was a cute kid. <laughs> <laughs> you made, you made, so you, you put away some money? You, you did some, <clears throat> made some pretty um, good money during that? Yeah, decent. You know, decent decent amount. But yeah. I think I, I like cut it off right before it could have got really, like, really lucrative. Lucrative, lucrative but... Yeah. It's just I'm so glad I didn't go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you needed to nail like a, a sitcom or like a like um, some sort of you know ad campaign or something that just milks it for the whole year. Yeah, well, there was there was one I was on. I, I actually did land a big a big uh, series, but it was a pilot. Wow. So 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 they shoot the pilot, and I was like the main kid, and and literally um, the thing didn't get picked up. Oh. And if it and if it would have got picked up, it would have changed my life. Yeah, completely changed the trajectory of my life because it was with like all these like you know big time actors at the time back then. You know, wow. this was like this is like this is like eighty eighty five. Yeah, nineteen eighty five. I don't even know. Like, what was the pilot? <laughs> what was uh? What was it based on? It was called Suburban Beat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I don't Suburban even know what? what? 
beat b-e-a-t <laughs> i don't even know what it was about dude i just i was on it one episode and then that was it yeah <clears throat> was it hard to remember lines did you have a lot of talking lines yeah all kinds he's the main they, guy they do like it's crazy like all the commercials and stuff back then i don't even know how it is now but like they you had like you had to be in school and required to be like a certain amount of schooling while you're there on set so they have tutors that come in and there's like however many kids under 18 that are you know on the commercial or whatever it is on the set you're like in these little tutor rooms and doing all your your regular schoolwork and the whole thing it's like it's such a crazy scene man yeah. that whole world <laughs> well i'll have you know troy i have been on tv myself okay let's hear it i what did you, a, you a levi's 501 commercial there you go yeah remember <laughs> do you remember the the unbutton your fly or button your fly ones spike oh, spike lee no. It was Spike Lee that was the director, and oh, that's cool. uh, they actually shot it. They 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 picked people out from all over the state, right, and mm-hmm. different beaches and stuff. And and I was I was at ZJ Boarding House one day, and the scouting or the scouts or whatever talent agency, I I, I was luckily there interviewed, and they're like, yeah, if if we like you, we'll call you on Friday. Right. And this is a long ass time ago. She calls me on Friday. She goes, okay, we're going to meet on whatever day and you're going to meet the director, Spike Lee. And I'm like, holy shit, Spike Lee. (laughs) And so where are we meeting? She's like Huntington Beach. And I'm like, hold and I live in Huntington. Right. I'm like, holy crap. So remember when Maxwell's was still there? Mm. So we met at Maxwell's and he interviewed. There was like 150 people. Right. And out of the 150 people, they picked, I think, six of us. And for whatever reason, he picked me, and I was on a commercial, Levi's 501. You're a cute little kid, Lyndon. <laughs> <laughs> still am, bro. I'm still let's, cute. Let's talk about your other TV debut, The Cabellian Family on Family Feud. <laughs> oh, shut up. That was way before. That was, that was when I was your age on Webster. I was like 11 or 12. Oh, oh it's, a, it's the best clip ever. <laughs> oh, God. He's in a suit. Hey, this it's show is not about Lyndon Cabellian. This is about <laughs> Troy Ecker. I'm enjoying this, man. Uh, Troy, do you have a nickname? A nickname. Um, Trekkert is Trekkert. one. Okay. Trekkert. Uh, Trek. Um, I don't know. That's Those are kind of the two. Tre- Trekkert mainly is the, is the one that sticks from, yeah, that's kind of the main one okay so you're about after webster you give up acting <laughs> we're going deep here dude what was your first uh uh surf trip do you remember sir first surf trip i have i don't know that's mexico, a really good question mexico. Probably, probably, mexico. So many. probably mexico um baja probably shoot dude Who, that's who'd a you go question. down there who'd you go down there with Oh gosh! Mesa? Yeah, for sure. We used, <laughs> yeah, we definitely go down there with Mesa and a bunch of other guys. But yeah, getting on a plane—I don't even know, man. I, I, I got to rack my brain on that one. So, no idea. So you started surfing really well, right? You're, you 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 got sponsored, right? Um, what what was the next step in your in your surfing slash career? Because you you went to you graduated high school, right? I did and barely. Did you go to college? <laughs> you didn't go to college, right? Um, I went for a semester. 
Orange Coast College. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Good for you, bud. Good for you. <laughs> I went for seven years and never got a degree. <laughs> uh, you learned a lot, though, right? Yeah. Something. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you don't remember your – well, you, you kind of remember your first trip. So, so take us uh, – after high school, what, what were you doing? What would you get – you know – what was your first uh, job in, in the industry? So I moved to Newport when I was 15. and By yourself or your with dad? My, with my dad. Okay. With my dad. My dad moved to Newport and Crass right up on top of Superior Hill. And whoops. I was getting a call there. It was my sister. Um, so, yeah, I moved, up, I moved there and just started surfing at 54th Street. And that was, I mean, just, I had no idea that that was kind of like the spot, the hot spot or whatever at the time. And yeah, loved it. Fell in love with Newport. Loved the waves. A lot different than Huntington. No disrespect, boys. No disrespect. <laughs> I, I, I served Newport just as much as Huntington growing up, that's for sure. Yeah. And I've, I've spent my fair share of time in, in Huntington too. And it's awesome. But um, yeah, so... I mean, I started writing for Quicksilver. That was like my first real sponsor was when I actually, you know, Robbie Todd um, sponsored me. And yeah. and that was sort of the beginning of like, okay, well, I have a legitimate sponsor now. And um, just surfing Newport, having fun with my friends, you know, young, 18. And then, you know, after Get however some photos many years, in the mag. Got some photos in the mag. I mean, yeah, just kind of like cruising with it, having fun and just surfing, young kid. And a lot of contests, you know, doing like bud tours and things like that back then too. But you know, having okay success in contests, I wasn't. I definitely didn't have like crazy success in contests. Yeah. I was more super into just like free surfing with friends. But um, I so I guess if you want to parlay into like kind of how Vol the Volcom thing, I mean, it kind of you know goes right into this because right. you know Wooly and um, well Wooly quit from Quicksilver, and this is like in 1991. I was 18. I just graduated high school. I was getting out of high school, and um, he quit. He quit Quicksilver, and it was kind of right around that time when there was that huge cut, like on the team in Quicksilver. Where like I don't even know, like 300 guys got cut. Basically, wow. It, it was it was like a slang. Yeah. And it was a bad recession back then. Yeah, so it was super gnarly, and um, and luckily since I lived in Newport, I was like this new the Newport kid. So they're like, can't get rid of the local kid, you know. So I. I they, they kept me on <laughs> some somehow. I don't know why. Well, that's why pretty much. But um, so then, yeah, Wooly was just Wooly just hit me up one day, you know, after like he had just started Volcom with with Tucker. It was just stickers and, and nothing. It was basically a T-shirt. And he's he's he just asked me like, hey, do you want to do you want to do want to go do this thing? Do you want to check this out? Like it's at his house. In, in Were you good friends with with uh, yeah. Wooly or? Yeah, because he was running the promote, promotions department. So Robbie Todd worked for for Wooly okay. at a, at Quicksilver. Yeah. So so then when yeah Wooly split, so I had a relationship with Wooly, um, and yeah he just hit me up and was like, hey, do you want to check this thing out? This 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 company I'm starting with Tucker and yeah, I don't know what's gonna what it's gonna be or if it's gonna be anything at all, but we'd love to have you aboard and part of it. And I was like, hell yeah! And I just that, that was kind of the turning point was right then and there. So when he first came up with the name and he told you the name were you, were you like what the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty much right i mean yeah, it's a killer it was... name but when, when somebody comes to you starting a new company 
you're, you're taking a leap of faith, right? And, and the guy goes, yeah, I'm going to start this new brand. It's going to be fucking awesome. It's going to be this, this, and this. And the name's Volcom. Did they, <laughs> yeah. did, did they already have the Youth Against Establishment slogan? Like, yeah, yeah. That was already embedded when it came out? Yeah, pretty much. It was, that was pretty much, it was Volcom, Youth Against Establishment. was like, that was, that was it from the get-go. And you, yeah. You're a third guy in, uh, in command, right? Yeah. Yeah. Third, third human. I was, um, I mean, I was in that mix with Quicksilver, same time as you hanging out. I remember the workouts at 54th street and mm. yeah, the pecking order there was like Quok, Wooly, Robbie Todd. I mean, there was, you know, a whole group of people at Tucker, the time. Tucker worked there too, right? At Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He got laid off. He was a rep. He got laid off. Yeah. He was wow. working for uh, Holby at the time then, right? I'm not sure. I okay. think I think he might have been actually. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I remember you guys showing up to the ASR in San Diego in a U-Haul, and you just <laughs> would you would park in the parking lot right across and just sit in the back in lawn chairs and throw stickers and T-shirts out all day. So, yep. and then you'd throw out beers. I think at the end too, when people were all walking out or something. It was awesome. Yep. How how yep. long was uh how long did they have it going until uh, they called you? Pretty quickly. Oh, it was, um, so I think they started it in like May of 91 and then Wooly hit me up in like July of 91. Okay. So, so it was, it was a few months or and, some months. And it was right off the bat. It was, uh, surf, skate, snow, right? Yep. Yep. Out of the gates. How did, like, when were you, were you skateboarding the whole time? Cause you're an exceptional skateboarder too. No, from, we just talked what about I that. Remember. I, actually, I actually suck. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm pretty sure you're damn good, dude. No, 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 no. Let's not get those lines crossed. What no, about no, snowboarding? No. Were you already snowboarding too? He snowboards uh, really well. Snowboarding was that was right when I got tuned into snowboarding was in '91, and that yeah. was that was like holy shit, this is insane. So yeah, yeah snowboarding, I, can, I definitely was. I keep telling, I keep telling. Sorry to cut you off. I keep telling Lyndon how how awesome snowboarding is he just doesn't want to go up and snowboard I'm, I'm i'm an island boy I, it's too cold for me up there <laughs> i get it dude trust me i'm i'm yeah i'm sticking to the coast these days more so well you kind of dominated those h2o uh surf and snowboard events yeah man i had a good run it was amazing it was like it was actually the the, the niche at the perfect time for me because i was just learning how to snowboard pretty decently i mean again I would say definitely surfing first as far as, I guess, how quote-unquote good I was. Then it would be snowboarding and then definitely skateboarding in last place. Yeah. But um, So, yeah, Vipe, Vipe, you know, he had his shop down there in Sunset and um, created that contest series. And it was like the that time. That was brilliant. Could, dude, it was insane. It couldn't yeah. have been better. And, um, yeah, I was lucky. I, I ended up winning three of those things. Woo! And the was overall it, Was it a, a three-peat or was it a – uh, I don't remember. I think it might have been, but um, the thing that was the coolest part about it is, um, I mean, he was giving away insane money for it, like back then. Yeah, yeah it was like ten or fifteen grand or something winning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. So I like bought my first car with those with the winnings from from the from the H two L. What'd you buy? <laughs> um, 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 a Mazda truck, like a <laughs> like a little flatbed Mazda truck with a shell. Uh. No, no, no extra cab. Just a no, straight, no, you know. no, no way. <laughs> I was so stoked. Yeah, I was so pumped. I mean, 
Do you remember uh, who who was in the finals of, of the of the contest? Or do you remember who was like, fuck, that guy's really good, or oh shit, I gotta watch out for this guy. I want to say like David da- Dave Downing was maybe in there. Oh yeah. Um, oh gosh, Beaker was Billy Bryan was in that mix for sure. I don't think was Nathan motocross was in it too. No, okay. no, no motocross. Because you think Nathan you, did it. You got into motorcycles, right? Yeah, bikes? yeah. Yep, definitely. Okay. Yeah, that that was fun. <laughs> You got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but which time? <laughs> Did you compete on on Moto too? Well, then then they created the surf the surf Moto thing. The, yeah, um, yeah, the yeah. Surf, surfer cross. Did yeah. you win that too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one year, one year I won it, and then I got a, a couple seconds and a couple thirds. So yeah, that was a really cool one too. That was so fun. Who who was your competition there? Oh gosh, who was it? Well, Chava, of course. Chava Greenlee. You know, yeah, Chava because he's a freaking insane motocross rider. But you know, get him out of trails when it's like one foot. And he's struggling. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Chava, and then um, God, I'm just blanking right now. But there were some really good ride motocross racers that did it. Josh Grant was doing it for a while. He was a really good motocross racer. Cooper Webb, another motocross racer. The Hobgoods were doing it. Yeah. One of the one of the Hobgoods like broke. I think it was CJ that broke his arm gnarly, and Kalani was doing it too for a minute. I think he. Oh, that's right. Uh, I don't know if he got injured during it or not, but yeah, there was carnage, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it was gnarly. I can imagine. Yeah, I did so. it. I did it one year. It was so gnarly. Yeah. You rode a motorcycle? I did one one year. Wow, I can't yeah. picture you on a motorcycle. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's go back to Volcom because I think I mean I'm interested to hear about your experience there and, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be stoked to to hear how that all kind of came together because uh, you got there in 91 how long were you there for 20 years 20 fucking years yeah. that's yeah. insane so let's let's go back to so it was you three right and yep. then and then <clears throat> you started getting reps right and then mm-hmm. you started getting team riders Mm-hmm. Can you can you kind of like go through what you remember of like how it was, you know, being a small company and then building it and adding all these people and then eventually, you know, how how like fucking it was globally distributed. What, like, I, yeah. I want to know what like for for a surf shop, you know, like how did you guys start selling the product? Yeah, Frog House was the first shop. Yeah, yes, and it was literally just like going on the road and visiting shops with like a few t-shirts and the, i mean that was really it in the beginning matt patterson was, the, was a rep right <laughs> pa, pa, matt matto was part of it yep and then it was like matto and tucker were like on the road and yeah i was i wasn't on i wasn't repping um from the beginning but i was i was doing like other stuff i mean i was doing all kinds of shit i was doing shipping um i would do like shipping half the day and then like marketing the other half of the day and then like, oh, you got to go pick up some, t- you know, some hats in L.A. So it was like production. It was yeah, all of it. You wore all kinds of hats. All kinds of hats. Yeah. And, and then, you know, coming into it, not even knowing where I would actually end up. I was just like working my ass off, just doing whatever needed to be done at that time. And how are they paying you? Um, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> what were you making? Do you remember? Oh, like 200, 200 bucks a month. <laughs> yes. Shut up. 
Yeah, but I was eighteen. You yeah, know, and live and 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 the second the second Volcom was on production, and I lived directly next door in the apartments. So we had like five of us living in the apartments directly next door. Yeah. So there was like it was just like one thing. There wasn't even like there was no work and like home. It was just like one thing because we would just stay at Volcom till as long as we want at night. And there we had the skate ramp there, and then we'd like we'd have you know musical instruments and play play you know play music and just we would just hang out. It was yeah. just like life, you know. There's so many cool things about Volcom. I hope we can talk about all those aspects: the music, the surfing, the skateboarding, the parties, the snowboarding, the yeah. partying. Like, walk us through, like like before, right? Like, do you remember the first trade show that you guys? exhibited at like where was it and like were you tripping like oh shit like i gotta do this i gotta do that and then you know we hope that people come to our booth you know what i mean like all those weird little things that you you kind of go through as as a a worker you know i remember the 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 brand taking off pretty quick you know like Mm. you guys pretty much you know, exploded onto the scene. Like I, I felt really, really quick. Maybe it was good timing. Maybe it was just brand messaging. Maybe it was, I mean, all the above, obviously. But Do you, who mean, was the designer at the early um, stages there? Oh God! I mean, there wasn't really a designer. Yeah. Until a couple few years into it, really. <laughs> <laughs> a couple years into it, I don't even I don't remember exactly who the first designer was. Well, I'm, but, Remember the the I first should. board shorts you guys made with the fake like yeah the horny toad yeah yeah totally. the fake like lizard uh, waistband yeah we called it horny toad <laughs> <laughs> whose idea was the horny toad uh, I think it was like Wooly and Tucker's and, yeah That's and, so good. And, the, and the pocket like the just this fake crappy leather that would just like fall apart and just like it was just like the dude the quality was so bad it was so bad <laughs> it was so bad because I, I was a hunting surfing sport when when you guys i think tucker and and um it might have just been tucker and, and wooly at the time and they showed us the line and we're like you know me and signs were looking at each other like uh these guys are cool we're gonna have to back it but this shit is garbage (laughs) but we like you guys so we're gonna do it there you go that's the way it works luckily luckily uh it did it did work yeah early days got it got to be so fun but yeah you know i mean really fast pacing i would imagine you know with just trying to put out a collection stay on top of payables and and i mean marketing what did you guys do for marketing well, well, stickers, st- a lot of stickers, a lot of stickers, selling signs, um, you know, getting the team riders was the biggest thing. Just like really trying to get the right team riders out of the gates was huge. Yeah. And, and we were able to, um, you know, like, like Chet was the first skater and he, you know, I've known him for my whole life basically. So that one was a big one to like establish ourselves in like skateboarding, right? Just having yeah. Chet Thomas during that time. I mean, he was freaking on fire oh right there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that was like Globe. Uh, he was already collecting checks from Globe back then. Yeah, it might have been pre-Globe. I mean, pre-Globe? this is like this is like ninety-two, dude. Yeah. Like ninety-two or three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and then um, you know, then Wooly was able to get Terry on. That's crazy then, too. Yep, yeah, and then and then um, Gava wasn't Gavin wasn't 
much further after that. Um, I think Barney might've been before that. So it was like all this, like right out of the gates, like our goal was to just like ink up some of the best guys that we possibly can with as little amount of resources as we had. And, And again, it goes back to what you, you know, Lyndon said a second ago, as far as like, well, we like these guys, so we'll back them, and that's yeah. that, that's how it worked with the, the the team riders too. And thank goodness that they had faith in us or liked us, and, and they, a lot of them just wanted to come and hang out and party and just like have a good time, you yeah. know? Yeah. And and I would say one of the biggest things that, um, and it's so funny, I'm thinking about it right now, how small it was, but for us, how big it was, was we threw a party at the Tiki Bar. It was called the Roadhouse back then. Yeah. Yep. And, and the party was called uh, Pink is Punk. And we had this, like, <laughs> we had this uh, image of Madonna. Do you remember Madonna did yeah. that, like, uh, that super provocative book back yep. in the day, like, crazy book? She was naked so, on the cover? Yeah. 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 So we, like, pull, like grabbed this, like, you know, photo of her, like, in leather and this crazy photo of her. And then, like, totally made it Volcom and, you know, Pink is Punk. And we made T-shirts and I think the Shrinky Dings played at that. Oh, my gosh. That, yeah, the Shrinky Dings played. So that was like our first real party. But it was like the thing that kind of I feel like blew it out of the gates as far as for the local scene. It was just like, holy shit, these yeah. guys are freaking crazy. <laughs> and having a super good time and just doing things completely differently. You know, and, and, and that place, Roadhouse, is right across the street from Quicksilver. Yeah. So we yeah. were like in Quicksilver's backyard just freaking making a ruckus you know so yeah the timing was good too i think people were so ready for something new at the time yeah it's kind of neat to look back on how inexperienced and young you guys were but also to 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 know that like wooly right he he worked at quicksilver for a long time and did he go to pepperdine or did he go to usc no he went to pepperdine business school pepperdine so that guy, he's kind of a fucking genius, right? Yeah, he's really smart. He's really smart, really disciplined, yeah. but mm-hmm. also like picked the right guys to put on his team. Yeah, right? totally. Like you, obviously, and Tucker, that guy was a hellman, right? Like he was <laughs> fucking, people loved, he was like one of your he was pretty much your front man at the time, right? Yep, Just for sure. doing the craziest shit, making a name for Volcom through Tucker, right? Yeah, totally. Um, 100%. But, but looking back, it's like, here's three young dudes that, you know, you'd think, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. You know, they're wet behind the ears. But here you guys are. You guys, like, like Jay said, you caught fire pretty quickly and did pretty you know, normal things, but because you guys will, were legit, I mean, um, you there, Troy? Um, yeah. Like, you ripped, Tucker ripped, you guys snowboarded, like, you were authentic in everything that you did. That made you even more, like, you know, legit, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think just coming out of the gates tackling surf, skate, snow is, was, was, probably what set you guys apart right away yeah you weren't just a surf brand you weren't just a skate you were you were like the whole package Vulcan was the whole package it's everything funny we, everything we wanted to do it's yeah. funny because like when when you look back like at quicksilver and billabong they kind of did it right they kind of did snowboarding and they made snowboarding things but you guys like really marketed it 
the best that, that ever, you know, you were the first to really tie it all in, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I mean, it, the, the other brand that was going on at the time was SMP. Yeah. So SMP was like our competition at that time. And it was, it was actually really cool because we were the first two sort of surf, skate, snow brands, you know, popping up out of nowhere. And, and they really pushed us. Like we would always look at them and, you know, they had other team riders that were, you know, just doing their thing and stuff. So it was like such cool competition because when it came to the brands like Quicksilver Billabong, um, you know, the bigger brands like that, they were all so surf still. Yeah. They had, they, they hadn't like tapped into that whole snow skate kind of piece yet. So that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was a pretty interesting time for us for sure. Yeah. You guys came out with a, a different look, a, a different edge and, and kind of pushed, kind of created your own scene, even though SMP was like sort of similar. It never really had, you know what I mean? Like it didn't have what, what Volcom had. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think you guys just, whatever you guys did, you just, it just seemed like there's so much involvement, like, whether it's the trade shows, getting in your guys' uniforms, or just having a party, or going, every time Volcom showed up, you knew Volcom was there. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was lucky to, to be working for DVS, and every uh, Surf Expo, uh, Volcom and DVS were next to each other the whole time. Oh, man. For, the, for kegs like, were, the kegs were flowing at both Oh, dude, spots. remember those legendary parties? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. When you guys did the beer, Insane. the the German freaking lederhosen and shit. Yeah, Volktoberfest. Oh, Volktober, yeah. <laughs> so I, many good, so many good like outfits and stories and like you know the, again just having fun. That's what it looked like you guys were yeah. doing. I mean, I mean, some people are like, "Oh, that's super cheesy." Look at them; they're like all in uniform. But then it was genius. It just was. It looked like you guys were all having a blast. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were definitely having a good time, man. It was it was I mean, coming up with those, you know, themes and 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 doing all that stuff was was really fun too of just like brainstorming like with yeah. like Ethan Ethan Anderson who's the art director at Volcom forever and who you know, he's he's an unsung hero behind the brand in a big way. Yeah. So, um I just definitely wanted to shout that out for sure and and you know, Ethan would I mean, that guy was a genius behind the scenes and we would all work together with him and his team and create these themes and literally just like, oh my God, just the meetings were just like the most classic thing ever. Just sitting there of like all these different themes. Okay. What are we going to do this, this time? We're going to do a cowboy theme. We're going to do like, are we going to do, um, you know, whatever the college theme, are we going to do the Tijuana theme? Like what are the, what are the themes that we're going to do? Dude, you guys it was just like epic it. every single time. And we, I mean, you know, every single trade show booth, every season was totally from scratch. Yeah. Like it was like this huge, like, you know, we were, we were, we were basically building a mini, little mini city every single time with a different theme, like in a different city. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and for us, it kept it so fresh because you know how trade shows are, they could be so friggin' boring. And you're just like, half yep. the time you're just like standing around unless you're, you know, unless you're a rep, but everybody else is like, just kind of like standing around. So we're like, fuck this. Let's have some fun with this. Yeah. And like, just make it interesting and and yeah in, in retrospect it's really it's it it is it was a really big stamp on um you know who we were who we were as a company as a brand as a culture and what we were actually how we how we were like just like living it basically yeah. and we just again 
wanted to have fun. And that was like the motto behind a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that we did is like, how much fun can we have with this yeah. brand, you know, and, and, and bring amazing people along the ride with us that are like-minded from the team riders to the employees, to just the different people that are part of the company. And yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience. And the guys that like worked there that were part of the brand, you guys, people worked there for a long fucking time. 100%. Like, I mean, I, I, there's, you know, you, there's you guys, guys were still, dedicated. Yeah. Like there's guys that still work there from when I was there that are pushing over 20 years now or more. Yeah. You know, like it's crazy. So yeah, the dedication and the, um, just the loyalty, um, is still going, you know, there's still, like I said, there's still guys there that have been there for 20 plus years, you know? So that's rare, but that's, I mean, yeah. it's not rare, but it's, it's good to see, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's awesome that people have, you know, that loyalty and stuff. I just yeah. remember like you guys also like coming out with, you know, your own movies, your own marketing movies, whether it's like, you know, introducing bands that we've never heard of from, you know, I mean, all ASG. over the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but like your guys is, you know, putting putting out your own content before there was social media. You know, that was a, mm. a huge, huge. Yeah, part I of think the brand. you guys are the first to really make music part of your DNA, right? Like the what was it, Volcom um, Entertainment? Volcom Entertainment. Yeah, and you guys yeah. kind of uh, fostered new bands and and use them in your videos and, and, and all that, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that was a big part, definitely a big part of it. I mean, we did the Warp Tour for, God, I don't even know how many years. Like, yeah. we had a welcome stage on the Warp Tour. So um, that was a huge way to get the message out. And then, of course, work with a lot of incredible bands. And, you know, Ryan Ryan Imagart, who's actually still at Volcom now, and then, then Wooly, that was sort of like they were really, that was their baby. And um, I, I was definitely a part of that as well. But um, yeah, that thing was insane. And we were able to use uh, indie bands and all kinds of movies and stuff and like help them out with their careers and like break them and things like that too, which was, which was so, really cool for them. I want to I ask you what the first, uh, what the first Volcom movie was. But before we do that, I want to I ask you if you remember when I pissed you off. Ah. No. <laughs> <laughs> when? What happened? So, I worked at DVS, right? Yeah. And I was a U.S. sales manager, right? And okay. uh, Tim Gavin was, you know, VP, part owner. He was, he was like uh, the head of marketing. And he, he asked me, like, what we needed, you know, to help us uh, build DVS on the East Coast, right? And I go, fuck, man. You know, we kind of have to take a page out of uh, – out of uh, Volcom's uh, playbook, you know, they, they've got an East Coast marketing guy. He's like, oh, really? Who is it? And he's, he's like, I go, the guy's fucking good skateboarder and he's a fucking ripping surfer. His name's Billy Hume. Go get him. <laughs> oh, shit. So, so John Gilliland put me in touch with him, right? And and I called Billy and I'm like, hey, Billy, Lyndon, DVS, you know, we're, I know you're with Volcom, but... Just wanted to throw it out there. You know, we're looking for a marketing guy. Uh, wonder if you'd be interested. He's like, fuck yeah. So we flew him out. He said <laughs> yes. He went back home. He called you. You called me. And you go, what the fuck are you doing, Lyndon? That's not fucking cool. He, you, you go, 
You go, why didn't you call me? Uh, I go, he, he goes, um, Billy Hume is, is Volcom family. And I was so fucking <laughs> bummed, dude. I was so, oh, no. I was so like, I felt so bad, Troy. Like, I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about how, <laughs> and that that's what, what really, what really made me bummed is how, how close you guys were. And because we were going to give him, you know, a big bump in, in, in pay. That's why we lured him away. But because of you and and your, his loyalty to you, he, he stayed. Ah. Right? But it was a it was such a kick in my ass that I would never – I learned a lot that day when you called uh. me. You know, like because we're friends, right? Yeah, and we've known totally. each other forever. And, and like, yeah, why didn't I ask you about that? But I didn't think mm. to. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, didn't yeah, think yeah. to to like ask you about it, but I learned a big lesson that day, and, and I, I apologize. <laughs> oh, dude, no way! Please don't apologize, man. It's all good, man. Yeah. Are you kidding me? But it's oh, it's, that's a it's a freaking awesome story. It's an awesome story, and I is pretty freaking rad. Like business is business, but you know when 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 it, when you try to go up against your friends, and it wasn't like I was trying to go against you because we weren't really competing. You were. You're yeah. a Volcom. We were a clothing brand and snowboarding and all that. And we were, you know, we were a shoe company. So it wasn't like I was trying to s- steal him, but we were trying to steal him. Isn't that what the industry does, though? I know. Yeah. I know. You, you, you know, there's far and few between good guys, and you try to go after the ones that are good and, you know, try yeah. to plead your case, and hopefully you can get them. But that was that was a funny story that I had to bring up. I, I, I couldn't uh, wait to, to bring that up and, and – uh, laugh about it now oh no isn't that cool that we can laugh about it oh yeah it's like, yeah it's so yeah it's so funny thinking back like oh my god there's been so many of those types of conversations i've had with different people and from team riders to employees to just like man it's it's a wild thing and, and especially i don't know like in that in our industry it's like it's different than any other industries it's yeah. almost like it, it is like family right because yeah yeah. it's a different kind of feel when someone comes after, you know, a team rider or whatever. You're like, dude, what the, you know, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you know, especially it's, if it's a, you, you guys are boys, right? Especially even yeah. though you work for different companies, but you're boys. Yeah. You know, there's totally. an unwritten rule that you're like, Hey, you know, you have to, you have to kind of respect each other that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, dude, all good, man. Love it. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that one up. Hey, That's yeah. hey you took, you took our interview, so I guess it's okay. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Um, I'm be stoked. So, so the very first Vulcan movie, what was it? Yeah. A library ride. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. And it was a, it was a surf skate snow movie. Nice. Yeah. And you guys toured that like to all the like key retailers and cinema, like local cinemas. Oh, gosh. you remember what you guys did? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was our, our first premiere was in the parking lot at um, eight five eight Production Place. Yeah. Oh wait, eight five eight? No, no, no. It was the one before. I think it was uh, on Placentia. Yeah, the play, the one on Placentia. So there's a little corner of the parking lot, and and. It, there's a really funny story actually behind it. Me and Wooly barely made the, we were editing it up in uh, Tahoe and me and Wooly literally barely made the last flight. Cause we, we, we had gone way longer on the editing process and the, we ran into all kinds of problems. I mean, we, 
Yeah, we were like the last people on the plane and they shut the door and we got on the plane and we were the last flight to make it back to the premiere. So when we got to John Wayne, you, have you know, we get we get off the plane, we get, you know, someone picks us up and we're literally just like bolting to the premiere. We get to the parking lot, everything's set up. There's like, you know, 300 groms or just people in the parking lot. And we literally just go over there, put the put the tape in and play it. It was fucking crazy. So that was like our first experience of like any sort of premiere, but that was the premiere. It was probably two or 300 people in the parking lot in this little, little zone. And that was the first one. And then, yeah, we, we toured it and, um, I don't remember no theaters though. It was like just shops and, you know, just really, it was roots then, man. It was so roots. Dude. And that's kind of like the cool thing about our industry back then. It was so grassroots, you know, it wasn't like, even though production. even though it's like it's a big production to to pull it all off but it's really simple stuff you know what i mean like yeah. it, it was like you a video player and a band right? <laughs> and pizza. but how impactful so, were those you know things you know they yeah they, the, well, the support, support the shops and then just get the brand out to those like destinations when you're in orange county you know you you want to give love to northern california and virginia and florida and hawaii and you know make those people feel like they're a part of the part of the brand yeah what um when did you realize at what point and what year did you realize that vulcan was a monster oh i mean really i think it didn't totally sink in until we we got into quicksilver the quicksilver building oh yeah and that, and that was 1999 so and that's and then and and then shortly thereafter we had our first big big parking lot premiere which was for subject Hawkinson, um rocktober 1st 1999 wow and that and that was the one when we had probably five thousand people in the parking lot or more that was the first of many of those types of huge premieres wow. in the parking lot yeah, so that was that really was the moment where I was like, "Holy shit, this is fucking huge. This is gnarly. So this, this is big." Because you guys started off at a small warehouse, moved to another. You was it? Weren't you guys in Ruka's building, or Ruka was in your building after, or something like that? Well, you guys are no, we were down the street. Okay, I remember when I worked at Huntington Surf and Sports, still doing walkthroughs. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I was doing a lot of gray marketing, right? <laughs> and I remember Troy would be the guy to do the walkthroughs. And he'd be yeah. like, he'd be like, you're here again? <laughs> <laughs> you, you were just here yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you guys are doing really good, man. <laughs> killing it. All right. Well, killing it. It's funny. Um, I, uh, just now I remembered what made Volcom so cool was, you know, the Volcom stone, obviously, right? And where you would put it, the Volcom stone. Like, that was, like, one of the things that people loved about the brand because it was so quirky and eccentric. Uh, <laughs> I remember uh, remember the uh, cotton, like, five-pocket uh, jeans, and you would... They weren't jeans. They were, like, twill. And you would put it... You would put the stone in like the crotch. Mm. You remember that? I'm not sure. I remember that, dude. 
you guys would put the logos in the weirdest places. Oh, oh, the logos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the embroideries totally. would be like, it'd be in your crotch, and you'd be like, why are you put in there? And people would be like, that's so rad, that's so insane. Like, that was like one yeah. of the coolest marketing things to do to clothing that you could ever do. Right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And Just, you guys didn't sell stickers. No, we right? didn't sell stickers. We didn't ever sell stickers, and it was crazy. We The amount of mail we... Like when it was mail yeah. back in the day, yeah. the, 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 amount, the amount of mail we would get of like sticker requests. And it was like, we, we didn't sell stickers, but if you wrote in, we'll, we'll, we'll send you stickers. That's so cool. we would just get like stacks of mail. And just, I remember just, there'd be days where I'd just be like putting stickers in and, you know, doing handwriting all the letters, you know, the, the envelopes and licking them and stamping them and putting them in the mail and, but sending stickers out to all over the place, all yeah. over the world. And that made it even more like, mysterious and cool and and like sought after because you guys didn't do that like you wouldn't yeah. see volcom stickers unless it was a trade show and you were slapping them on the signs in san diego or long beach <laughs> yeah yeah the, the, the reps had a lot of them yeah they did <laughs> yeah they definitely did um yeah cal what was i gonna say um, um i don't know i'm just looking uh looking at a list of questions what at what at what year did you guys sign Bruce? I mean, he was at Grom when he kind of wrote for you guys, right? Yeah, he was 15. And um, what year would that have been? I don't even know. He just turned 40, I believe. Okay. So 35 years ago, whatever year that would be. It's 2020. Dang. 95, yeah. right? Yeah, around and, 95. And, and, I mean, he was a hot commodity. He could have gone to, like, pretty much any brand. Oh yeah, that was yeah, that was a big one, and uh, that was the score, right? That was the. Yeah. I mean, we had Gavin and Barney at that time, which was insane, and then um, and then Bruce was like kind yeah, of the, the third amigo right there, but yeah. you know, on a whole nother level, obviously. I mean, he was so, he was so gnarly. So going back to the videos, who who made the uh, the cartoons? Uh, you mean like the claymation and stuff? Yeah, well, the claymation, but then that like Hollywood Pound. Yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, oh wait, which one is that? I'm trying to think. Oh, that's. Uh, is that Run Man? Maybe Run Man on that one, and then this other guy, Cameron Gray. Okay. Who who his whole he has a, he had a whole team of claymation people that did for Magnaplasm. Dude. So yeah. I used to say that all the time. Howly won't pound. Howly oh, won't pound. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So, so you guys. Put, so getting it, getting Bruce. I mean, were you, you guys were already kind of making a big stronghold in Hawaii, regardless with with a bunch of the guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shava Greenlee. Yeah. Um, what was that other dude? Kyborg. Kyborg. Kai. Ty Van Dyke. Kaleo. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we had we had a lot of heavies, <laughs> for sure. You spent a lot of time over there. You guys spent your time going over there every winter. Oh yeah, I spent like fifteen or more than yeah, pretty sixteen or seventeen years in a row, and you know from the ghetto at VLAN to like the ghetto behind Ted's Bakery to you know we were at Rocky Point a few years, um, and then eventually landed at Pipeline. So yeah, many many years there. So and the, and the pipe and the pipe uh, Vulcan Pipe Pro that's been going on shoot what fifteen years ten years. Well, it was a long time, huh? Yeah, a while. A they while. just had an anniversary. I want, I want to say it was ten years, or yeah, maybe more. Maybe yeah. more. Yeah, maybe more. 
but yeah, that thing's been going on for a long time. So tell us uh, how involved Quack was from the how start. How involved Quack was as far as what, like day to day or? Yeah. Because he was, because that's kind of like a con- controversial thing, right? You know, it's interesting because I was young then and I wasn't really a part of a lot of that stuff, you know, and I know that like Wooly and DK obviously have like a long history with through Quicksilver and they're just friendship, right? Yeah. So there was definitely, you know, some stuff going on there that I don't, I didn't really know about too much. And, um, but ultimately I know that DK was a massive influence on Wooly. DK is a freaking genius, dude. The guy's. He's a marketing genius, and well, he's just... we, we had Strider on the show, um, uh-huh. and he was saying how it was because of DK that um, that Bruce wrote for Volcom. <laughs> because of DK that Bruce wrote for Volcom. Yeah, he goes, dude, I was there when fucking when uh, DK stole Bruce Brucey from from Quicksilver and put him on Volcom. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I know that Wooly and myself made tons and tons of trips to Kauai, hanging out with Phil and the family, and definitely, you know, courting them and just yeah. and just and just getting to know them. And I mean, this this it was a big yeah. decision for everybody, right? And I mean, yeah. Phil Phil especially as being the dad of the of the boys, and he was very involved back then. Yeah. So it was like it was basically sort of almost Phil's decision at the end of the day. I mean, of course, you know, the boys had stuff to say about certain things, but yeah, I mean, Phil was a big part of it. I mean, the kids were young, you yeah. know, so yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, you, you, you want to land with a brand and, 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 and have it long term, you know, and, and that's, yeah. a, that's a big deal, you know, it, it was it was a big deal then for sure, you know, and. Andy, Andy, he went on, he was on MCD then, I think right around that time too. So he went uh, to MCD from quick too. So yeah, yeah, pretty wild times, man. That was a, I mean, that was a huge moment for us. That was a turning point. So, um, and you know, he fit, Brucey fit right in and we had so much fun and creating movies and just had all the trips and just, wow, what a blur. (laughs) You guys put on the pipe contest and then you guys took over uh, Fiji. Yep, Fiji Pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys had that a long was, run with uh, that, right? Yeah, you know that was actually right. I, I was gone already. They um, no way. Or wait, did it happen? Uh, well, 2010 is when I left the building, and then I was then I was in, in Hawaii and I was doing some work for about another year with Volcom. So, um, yeah, they, they, I wanted to say they took it over in 2010. So it was probably, I think it was or 11. I don't even know. Oh, the huge year was 11. Yeah. That was the year. It was that massive, you know, the huge Code year. Red. Yeah. Yeah. That was a Volk, That was a Volcom contest. I think that was the first one. I'm pretty sure. So, so let, but yeah, let's go back to, you know, let's say year five of Volcom. You guys are humming. You guys are globally distributed. You guys have the best team. You guys have already like pumped out a couple movies right yeah and you know you move from building to building growing the infrastructure right and i i I think i i heard this from another interview you had you know you were kind of tripping out on how like corporate and big you know the company was getting right because you went from a three-man team 
to a 10-man team to a, a, yeah. a building full of fucking human beings. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, it's got to be crazy to, to, to have these sales meetings, right? That's a global sales meeting and you're seeing like almost a thousand people in your building at a time that work for Volcom. Yeah. Right? Like sure. you're like, holy shit. You know, in 1991, at 18 years old, here I am, Troy Eckert, third guy on the totem pole, to now, you know, in a room full of fucking... <laughs> hey, ex- excuse me, we're going to have my HR first, okay, guys? Um, let's, go, let's go see if HR will prove that. Yeah, big, big changes, big changes. Yeah. Talk us, yeah, like, talk about how, how I mean... It's got to be overwhelming. It had to be overwhelming to like go, holy shit, I have to manage, you know. How many people did you manage at that at at, a, at the max level? <clears throat> um, shit, I mean. In, what, what did in, you, sorry to, to cut yeah. you off, but what, what was your like, what was your title and your role towards the end there? It was executive vice president of global marketing. <laughs> <laughs> could, could, could you fit that all in a business card? Holy shit. <laughs> EVP Global Marketing. Dude, um, that's so fucking insane. It's so insane that a non-college graduate, Grom, accomplished so much. You know what I mean? Mm, I mean, yeah. that's, that's fucking kudos to you, you know? That, that's Thanks, a rad man. accomplishment. Yeah, so, thank so, you. I mean, I, I remember when you guys jumped ship from Quicksilver in, that, in early days and, you know, all of us young kids were like, I just want to make it as a pro. I just want to be a pro. And and then I'm here trying to do contests all around the world and Troy would show up doing like just video and like come hang out party. And I'm like, wow, he's on tour, but he's not on tour. Like, <laughs> he's, he's got, got those re- stress. He's got a really good gig. What is he doing over there? He's just <laughs> collecting W's and, and Larson's collecting L's. But then I would watch you, Jay, in all the videos and shit, fucking shredding, dude. Are you kidding me? Uh, the good old days. So I, I was envious of you too, brother. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, so talk us about executive vice president of global marketing. Walk us, walk wow. us through a, a day, a week of, of, of Troy Ecker, EVP. Oh gosh! How many I mean, people? How many people? Uh, yeah, so probably at the peak in, internally, like twenty uh, ish internally, but then globally, you're talking upwards of. I mean, I don't even really know, but like sixty, seventy, something like that. Dad. Yeah. So, but there was a lot of infrastructure also in licensees and distributors, so it wasn't like they were directly report like. You know, there'd be like the marketing director and then there'd be a team below them, right? So technically I'm in charge of the whole team. So, but the marketing director or the VP of say, for example, Europe would be reporting back to me on certain things. So, but I mean, it was our job to keep all that stuff globally cohesive as po- as cohesive as possible, which, right. which was a challenge, right? Yeah. Because you're in different markets and, and there's different things going on there. And I mean, the people that got affected by that the most would be design and marketing, right? Because, you know, 
there's there's different needs in say for example Australia for like what people what the trends are what people are wearing versus what people are wearing here in the United States versus what we what people are wearing in Europe you know I mean these are all different cultures different worlds so that I remember being super challenging and then the marketing on top of it too is to keep it all like I said cohesive um, within that but you know a typical day would just be like holy shit what fire am i putting out yeah yeah <laughs> like literally it was just like wake up in the morning and start with a flame you know a fire a little 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 brush fire and hopefully you know you you contain it to where it doesn't turn into this massive like huge you know in, inferno basically yeah so um, but at the same time so much creativity so much freedom i mean i would i within my department i would really i i i think i promoted an environment of like having fun you know but working your butt off it was very work hard play hard is what it was it was almost like work hard play harder is what it ended up being you know but it's funny because people like think about volcom and like oh those guys just party the whole time it's like dude we worked our fucking asses off yeah okay and we partied our asses off too so that's a good combination but we never got them mixed up. It was like if I mean, even at the trade shows, it was like we were so diligent about, OK, this is who's going to be at the booth when it opens. You know, yeah. there's going to be five marketing guys standing out front of it. I don't care how hungover you are or if you even slept like yeah. you're going to be there, <laughs> you know. So we were we were we were super diligent, but we kept it a fun environment. It was professional. Uh, um, it was we were professionals, but but having a great time at it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and lots of meetings, you know, like I remember at the end when it was peaking, it was just like meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. And I think that, you know, that was kind of for me was, um, becoming, I wasn't being able to be as creative as I wa- was before, as far as with whatever it is, what I was doing from like movie making or, you know, going on trips or whatever it was. Um, I just found myself really dealing with a lot of like managerial kind of employee stuff and, and, and then just meetings and then spinning. I felt like I was spinning my wheels at the end. Yeah. And that was, you know, a big kind of reason why I just ended up saying, you know what, I've been here, you know, basically 20 years. It's kind of, it's time to, to think about something else, another phase of my life here. So that was kind of, you know, going after the whole, you know, shit storm of the financial crisis in 2008 and then rebounding from that, um, a bit. And then, you know, around 2010 is when I decided it was time to, kind of get out of the office because I've been sitting in a chair for way too long. Yeah. Talk to us about um, going public. Yeah. So wild. Yeah. So, so wild. Just pretty early on, right? Like you guys. 2005. So that was the year. And um, so, so when was Wooly, who, like, how did it come down or how did, how did you find out about it? Oh, well, I mean, I was on the inside, like right. I was a, I was an inside, you know, I was on, um, I was an executive officer, right? So I was a part of all the conversations leading up to it for, I mean, it was probably a year in the making, maybe year and a half in the making of like, okay, this is an idea. These are the thoughts of, these are the strategies that we can do, take right now with where we're at in the life cycle of the brand yeah. and where the economy is. And I mean, the timing was incredible. Like the economy Perfect. was freaking booming right then, right? Yeah. And, um, 2005 so, and six were the biggest action sports years for every single fucking yeah. company in the industry. Every sure. category, surf, skate, snow, everything. So for crazy. Sure. For sure. That was the, like that in the history of the, the world of action sports will 
those couple years will go down as the most like lucrative yeah. the most you could do you could sell anything you could do anything you can spend all kinds of money that's when the magazines were like 300 pages yeah you know yeah. well before all the digital shit but um but yeah going public was just insane like like i said it was a year and a half of just of really just trying to figure out the best kind of way that we were going to take the brand and 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 it was a trip man it was just a total 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 trip so when, did, trip. when did, did you guys did decided you? to go public you're like part was part of you like going fuck man we've gotten this thing so big and we're gonna go public like yeah yeah i mean for me especially as like i was i'm always like my job was like to, to, pr- to protect the integrity of the brand right, and, and right. knowing knowing that we're youth against establishment and the day we go public public like aren't we the establishment now so so that that definitely was you know a big one for me but i know i know the same for wooly too because i mean this is his baby and i mean that that slogan was born from him yeah. you know so i mean he wrestled a ton with it but you know when it came down to it it was there was just there was more pros than cons with doing it from the perspective of the shareholders and just you know the the, the need to compete on the level of Quicksilver and Billabong. So who know, made the get... most money out of that? Uh, <laughs> I think Wooly and Wooly and his dad did. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Did when you guys was, like awesome. started early on it's crazy. did Wooly give you guys like equity from early on or was it more towards the end when the guys were gonna go sell, like to or go public? Um guys, like how was that set up? Yeah, I mean I got I got a, a little like letter you know when i was young when i just got on board so yeah wooly wooly gave me something you know early on hold oh, on to good. the hold on to this because it might be worth something someday <laughs> don't lose this nice. don't lose this <laughs> yeah so yeah so is so. it true that um tom mcelroy made a, a a got got a good payday for for designing the logo oh yeah yeah he did well nice he did super well nice yeah, I love to hear that. We love Tom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tom's awesome. So, you left in two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. Then what? Would you? Would you go? Would you go Take off? A little time do? off. Yeah, I moved to Kauai right then. That's when I moved to Kauai with my family and um, lived on Kauai for three years and just surfed for basically three years straight. And uh, <laughs> that's what I did. And I I made I made a movie while I was there. Um, about a motocross racer, Ryan Villapoto. So that was when I was super into motocross at the time. And what, what was um, that called? It's called To Be Continued, like okay. number two, be continued. It's actually on YouTube. Okay. And uh, yeah, I made it in my yurt on my on my property over there, and just <laughs> it was a freaking epic little project that it's, I don't even just came out of nowhere. So yeah, that and um, yeah, just you know, I was just with the family and just and just kind of enjoying enjoying life for a minute because i'd been so locked down for so many years so yeah 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 you were working your ass off for for a good part of your your teens and early adulthood totally all the way up to i was 38 basically you know 18 to 38 for the most part aren't aren't we still in our teens 42 yeah totally (laughs) so when did you start getting into yoga uh 2006 it was right it was right after, um, so in 2005, that was that was my big motocross accident, and I didn't learn. I actually broke a bunch of shit after that, but um, I, I I crushed my heel, um, 
yeah, I, I shattered my heel and I have, it's fused. My right ankle's fused. My, um, calcaneus and talus are fused. So yeah, it was like really painful and I was in this freaking hospital for a long time and it was gnarly. And, uh, Tim Brown brought me back to life and got me surfing and within about eight months of the injury, which was pretty, I mean, my surgeon claimed I wouldn't ever be able to surf the way I wanted to surf again. And, um, and, and, like around the end of, uh, I mean, actually midway through probably he's like, Hey, have you ever done yoga before? And I'm like, no, I haven't. He's like, well, you should probably, you should probably start because it's really going to help you with your injury. And you know, if you keep up with it, it'll help you for, with further injuries to prevent injuries. Right. So yeah. So me and my wife at the time, Allie, we, um, we were doing private yoga classes in our house um, at, uh, like, like at lunchtime once a week. So I'd go, I'd be at Volcom, I'd sprint home for an hour, do yoga, and then I'd go back to work. And I just remember feeling so different when I walked back in the office from when I, you know, from when I get to the house and I, I do the practice and I could, I mean, at that time I could barely touch my toes. I was, I was a wreck, so stiff. Yeah. My whole body was just seized up from like just all the abuse and all the, you know, sitting in the chair is the biggest one. And, um, yeah, so that was, that was where I really started to really physically open up. And then also mentally was the big one. The bigger one for me was just how I felt when I walked back in the office of like, holy shit, I don't feel as high strung and stressed out and tense right now. I feel like I have a bit more peace and just, I can sort of respond to what's going on versus being this like kind of fight or flight running around like, oh fuck, you know, kind of mentality. So yeah, that was that was kind of the beginning of the of the, of the yoga journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's amazing how you know when you don't feel well, how your attitude goes negative. You know, real big time. Real, real quick. Yeah, yeah, big time, big time. I've been doing yoga for a couple of years now too. I don't get to practice it as much as I want, especially now because the studios are closed. But dude, it's such an exhilarating feeling. You know, like, yeah, and you you feel like the afterburn after after you've done it. You know, the hot, the high. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's like a it's like a a yoga high, like a runner's high, right? Yeah, I've never felt a runner's high, but I know what a yoga high is. Yeah, it feels pretty damn good. Yeah, <laughs> Linden, yeah. Linden's the infomercial of workouts, like whatever, like you know, Miami diet, PF ninety six X, or no carb, or you, you name it. This guy's done it. Both both flex, Tybo, yeah, both flex. Yoga, I'm trendy Lonnie. that way. Yeah, uh, I'm trendy epic, that dude. way. Love it. So obviously, you, you um you move back to California. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, what What did you do next? What did I do next? Well, um, I kind of, you know, I just got divorced, so I was a little bit disheveled on a lot of things and trying to figure some stuff out. So, kind of just went off, kind of went off the deep end a little bit. Just kind of, you know, just partying a bit much at that time. I was right when I turned 40, basically. <laughs> and a uh, pretty good time to start that, huh? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a good way to stop sniffing glue. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, 
so um so did that for about i don't know five or six months and then i like calmed down got back to center again got back on my yoga mat started surfing more and then just really just started to go introspect you know introspective and 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 just kind of figure out what like ask myself the questions of like what the hell do i want to do with my life right now what do i want to do next because i'm in a whole new like it's a it's a new foundation or the beginning again i feel like i'm in the beginning again you know back then and so i ended up starting a, a men's yoga clothing line called cosm with my with my partner derek sabori who um he was in charge of sustainability at vulcan for for a long time like eight or nine years just awesome individual genius so we did that for about a year and a half or so and you know i worked on that previous to that for like gosh a solid year too so long that super sustainable like incredible story um it was a direct consumer and just uh you know cutting out the middleman just really being super d- diligent about how we set up the business we're certified b corp just all these really cool things that are meaningful and purposeful um especially because it was a yoga brand too so i felt like it really needed to have that like those back-end ethics of um you know taking care of people and and just when it comes to the product and everything, all of it. Yeah. So long story short, did that. And then about two years ago, ended up, um, not being totally just finding myself back in clothing again. And just like, I was like, I'm in clothing again. Like no matter what I'm in clothing again, like what am I doing? So kind of had this moment of reckoning of like, I don't want to be in clothing again. (laughs) And, 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 and it was like, you know, solid two, like two and a half years after I'd really, dove into this thing head first with with Derek and we ended up we ended up um you know I ended up uh stepping away from the day-to-day and just I'm letting him run it now and um he's been running it for a year now which is super awesome and it's it's going well and it's looking to actually potentially even go to the next level here so super cool and I'm excited for the brand and for him that's awesome um yeah so I mean, how deep do you want me to go here? But yeah, there's some, there's some good, there's some meat potatoes here. If you want me to keep going, yeah, yeah, we go love for it. it. I mean, I mean, with, the, with we want to know about have... Troy. We want to know about Cosm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the experience you got from Volcom, and then going, yeah. kind of downsizing to a small little crew and doing something that you're passionate about. That's what we want to. Yeah, hear. yeah, yeah, totally. It's, and it was, it was, it was a great experience, and um, you know, we're I'm still obviously part of it, part of the brand and stuff, but um. But yeah, I ended up I ended up leaving it and just kind of again in another soul soul searching moment. And to top it off, I ended up getting mold poisoning at the house I was living in. So mold, mold toxicity, and just went into a whole tailspin. And I was with a girl for a couple of years prior to that, and and then that relationship kind of uh, fizzled out. And so there was like this whole cataclysmic destruction a bit there for a minute. I was like feeling depressed um midlife was creeping in just you know the whole fucking holy shit mortality <laughs> like what's going on here this shit actually does end oh i forgot okay <laughs> well here let me show you this is what's this is this is the universe showing me that you know we're all um mortal beings on this planet so don't was, remind uh, me uh, <laughs> no the best thing is is to keep reminding yourself so you can live well yeah. right yeah yeah, yeah. So, um, and Hey, what a, no, no more better time than right now. Like as we're recording this podcast, we're yes. in, we're in a pandemic right now, Jeez. COVID-19 or, you know, 
whatever conspiracy you want to throw on top with a cherry. I mean, this time right now, and it's, it's so like, I can't wait to actually look back on this podcast and listen to it and kind of, you know, hear even the stuff that we were talking about from Volcom, but talking about what actually what's going on currently today oh, is even insane. more freaking crazy. Yeah, right. It's so insane. it's like, how much uncertainty do you need in, in your life? This I mean, is the here, wildest thing that's ever happened in any of our lifetime. Yeah. Right? And he, and even my parents, like I asked my dad, I'm like, dad, have you dealt with anything like this before? He's like, no, I never have. And he's, you know, 76 years old. Wow. So it's, you know, and for us that have children, it's like, holy shit, this is, this is fucking, this is, this is worrisome, you yeah. know, like, and I'm not even talking about the virus itself. I mean, thank God that it's not affecting children as, as much as you yeah. know, it could be. And, um, but it's like, look at the, like, look at this mess right now. And like, how are we, you know, gonna recover. It's so, how, yeah, that, but then also like, I think it's, it's really important to, you know, tune in with how we're showing up, you know, in life right now. And, and what sort of example we're, we're um, leading for our children and then just for our friends, yeah. um, for our colleagues, for, you know, loved ones, for everybody, right? Because everybody's so up in arms with, like, what the hell is going to happen. The yep. reality is we don't know what the hell is going to happen. Nobody knows. Right? But the funny thing is, is it doesn't take a pandemic for you to understand that. Yeah. We, we never know what's going to happen. Do, does the guy that just got ran over by the car know that the car was coming at him? He had nope. no idea. Did yeah. the person that got cancer know that they were going to get cancer? They had no idea. So I think this is a huge, massive wake-up call for humanity yeah. on a, glo a global level to just take a step back, slow the fuck down, look what's important, and, and re you know, this is a time to re recalibrate, reevaluate your life right now, yeah. you know, sure. of like, what, what have I been putting my energy into and what, what is, what is, how am I going to set myself up now in this downtime for the future? Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. You can look at it as a, you know, emotional, you can look at it financially, you can look at it like community based. There's so many different angles of, you know, a wake up call, you know, like, okay, if this were to ever happen again, Am I financially set or is this job going to protect me? Or, you know, have I been reaching out to my friends and neighbors and checking on them? You know? So there's a lot to think about. And I feel like, yeah, it's a good wake up call for, for all of us. Yeah. Not to d discount the, the, the actual, the physical suffering and what's actually going on. I mean, it's like crazy. It's, it's hor horrific and it's just, it's really sad. Um, but there's a message here, you know, yeah. there's a, there's a massive message for us to all be learning and be aware of what, of what this all means for us on an individual level. Yeah. Right. And like, and ask yourself those deep seated questions of, of, you know, how am I living my life? How well am I living my life? What am I worrying about? Why am I worrying about that? Yeah. You know, because this life is fleeting no matter what, yeah. you know, we all, we all, we all feel like we're just going to keep on living, but guess what? We all are going to die. Every single person on this planet, no one gets out alive. <laughs> nope. Right? Yeah. So, and, and it's just, it's interesting because in the Western culture, not to go down this rabbit hole too much, but in the Western culture, it's like we don't, we, we, we don't talk openly about mortality and death. Or in the Eastern culture, it's a very, it's open. It's like they're walking down the street with the, you know, the, the body going to wherever they go to like, you know, um, do the cremation basically in front of the family members and all this stuff. Yeah. And 
for us, it's like this whole thing about like, oh, don't talk about death. Like it's something that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like mortality is mortality. And it's like death and taxes is what we're guaranteed for the most part. I mean, you could even get away from taxes if you want to like go live in like, you know, the jungle. So, but death is the one thing you can't get out of. Right. So it's like, how are we living our lives and how purposeful are we living our lives right now? So for me, that's what I'm sitting with as I'm in, you know, my isolation solitude situation. And then luckily we've been able to surf a little bit, which is kind of nice. And I know for some places they haven't been able to, and then, yeah, it's just like this. We're on we're on lockdown. It's like it's just so wild. It's, it's so it's, wild. Yeah, it's you know I'm a pretty positive person, and I try not to let anything get me down. And and I'm definitely, you know, in front of my family, in front of the kids, we're always like pretty positive. It's the the only time I get like bummed is when I go out to like get groceries. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Because it's like, you know, when you, when you look at, when you, when you go to the store and you see these empty, you know, shelves and you're like, what the fuck is going on? You know, yeah it's just so crazy to, to see how it's gotten to this point, you know, it's going to get better, but it's just like, wow, this is, this is the reality. This is the real world that we're living in. Like we're having a. I don't people know. Are, yeah, people are, people are getting fed a lot of information and I, dude, I don't even listen to con- the news. There's a lot of con- no. contradict, contradicting information and it's kind of it's hard to kind of know what to believe. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Is like just have your information that you your your go-to information that's yeah. going to be as objective as possible. Yeah. And then the the news and all this other shit, turn it off. Yeah. Like we yeah. we do not need that. The last thing this this society and this globe globe you know this earth needs right now is more stress because that's that's the ultimate killer is the fear the yeah. fear is the biggest virus out of all this yeah in, in my opinion and I know a lot of other people's opinions too because I mean the virus when it comes to just the actual like effect you know what it's doing to people I mean a lot most people are able to fight this right yeah. and it's only these this certain sort of kind of people that are uh, more at risk than others so yeah. Um, but if we can, you know, like I said, the fear is the biggest, the biggest issue here. And however we can manage ourselves during this time, whether it be through, through yoga, through some meditation, breath works, incredible things, things to get your immune system up and going, you know, your supplements, eating well, all those types of things, getting outside in nature, all these different things to keep that immune system flowing yeah. to be able to be able to, you know, fight it but then also i think a bigger thing is to is to be the example like be the leader be the example of calmness in the in the, in the you know in the face of mass uncertainty yeah you know yeah yeah yeah, That's yeah. really really good advice and really good insight and outlook you know um so tell us what what else besides yoga like are you vegan you know, are you, I sure hope not. Come on. Come on. No. Well, spoiler alert. I am vegan. And I have, uh, I have, <laughs> I have and, and whatever. I don't, I don't talk about it. It's like, but you asked. So yeah, I have, I, I'll call it whole, I'll call it a whole food, whole food plant-based diet. And I've been doing it for about two years now. And it really spawned from my whole mold poisoning thing. It was oh, okay. like, I, I need to relook at, where was My the mold diet. at? Like where, where, where like did you find it? Like black mold in the drywall and black mold in the drywall in the in the bathroom. Ugh. Yeah, at my at my old house. Yes. So 
Yeah, it was, uh, it was radical. And, um, you know, and I'm not even a hundred percent yet. Like I still have, I still have some symptomatic stuff, but it's a lot better than it was, Crazy. you know? Yeah. And, um, so what was, yeah, go ahead. Um, I know that you, you, you had a brief stint in, in uh, what youth, right? Mm-hmm. Tell us about what youth, like what happened there. Uh, well, I mean, I shit, I was on Kauai actually, and and uh, it was funny because I was I was thinking about you know the whole kind of media play with the surf world and didn't see all that much going on, and I was almost considering creating something over there, like a you know surf media thing and. I'm really glad I didn't. <laughs> um, but then I saw what youth and I remember just going, damn, this, these guys are freaking on it. Like, this is cool. Yeah. Like I dig this. And, um, so I just, I just ended up contacting like Travis and those guys and see what they were going on, had going on. And then, um, ended up connecting with DK a little bit and, um, and then, yeah, we got involved with them and, um, and then I just worked there for, I, I kind of like, I didn't even work there. I just basically went in and tried to like help them out with a few things and just be a support for, you know, gosh, I don't even know, like maybe six months or seven months. And this was like, right. This is like six or seven years ago. So I kind of went in there and I made some videos and helped them out with a few things. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, and then for me, I just was, I was at the point where I was kind of like, this is right before I started Cosm. I was kind of like, shoot, I, I want to do my own thing. Like these guys, these guys got it. Like yeah. they're doing a cool thing. Like let them run the, the you know, let them go. Yeah. So I kind of, pu- I pulled back from that. And then that's when I, and then that's when I started the cause of things. So I had a real brief stint there at, uh, at what youth. Yeah. So yeah, just, yeah. Part of it kind of in the, I wouldn't say the very beginning at all by any means, but you know, a few issues in or five or six issues in something yeah. like that. I was bummed yeah. when that all went down you know yeah but it's because i'm you know we're, we're good friends with travis travis is yeah. part of the hss family too yeah um, i love Trav. yeah 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 hopefully inherent bummer you know becomes a good thing for him too yeah totally yeah. you know and yeah it's things are things yeah sometimes things just don't work out the way we like picture them right and i yeah. mean that's just lot that's kind of like part of life like it's uh sometimes sometimes things don't totally work out but yeah i think you know, I actually I talked I talked to Travis the other day, and uh, we were talking about inherent bummer, and I'm like, hey man, like, you know, all that experience is all learning learning experience to get yeah. you to where you are right now yep. with this new project, and how cool it's your project, like you're running with it and creating it and doing it doing it exactly how you want to. There's no one that can tell you differently. Yeah. So yeah. like that's a beautiful thing, and and um, I believe actually the timing's pretty good yeah. <laughs> for him for him with that. So I really hope he does well with it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. And you're kind of doing mentoring, right? Or yeah. what do you call it? Is it mentoring it's, or is it a... It's coaching. Life coaching, life coaching or yeah. just coaching? Coaching, yeah. Radical yeah. Voyage? Radical Voyage, yep. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about that. Yeah. So, so that Radical I'm, Experiences? yeah there's there's been a lot um but yeah that all kind of started around the time when i had this whole mold thing and it was just uh, trying to figure out what the hell i was going to do with my life also on top of like getting sick and feeling like i was going to (laughs) die so that was like my dark night of the soul right so then i just started to kind of figure out that you know and i knew this all along but 
Um, like we are our own healers when it comes to everything, you know, from any sort of disease to, um, you know, uh, uh, autoimmune disease. I mean, you name it, like people can cure cancer on their own without any intervention by, um, by doctors, you know, with 100%. So I, I, um, stumbled upon a movie called heal and it's on Netflix. You should check it out. It's amazing. It's called heal. Heal. and heal and that was the doc- that was the documentary that kind of blew me open was like holy shit like dude you can heal on your own like could could, could you uh tell us what you were going through with the black mold like what sure what, what symptoms what yeah uh, sure respiratory you know it was it was i didn't really get the respiratory too much it was more neuro- neurological it was like brain like brain fog like major brain fog where you can't think straight um and like even like headaches and stuff not so much like Almost like you feel like you're just in space, like you don't know what's going. You're kind of like, uh, like what, what, what was I? What was I just thinking about? Like I don't wow. remember, you know, and tingling in the legs. Um, ringing Shit, in the I ears. must have black mold in my in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, totally, you're you're dark, Lennon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark, yeah. dark <laughs> meat. Brown um, mold. Brown mold. Yeah, brown mold. Yeah. So those are the symptoms. And um, anyways, you, were you like fluish or like sickly? No. Like, no, I mean, it was trip. like, I mean, I was like super anxious and having like panic attacks too, because I was like, fuck, am I dying right now? And then it would just go into this like, uh, panic attack. Wow. And, um, yeah, like I went to the cardiologist, I went and got my brain, my brain scanned, I did all the blood, I did everything and everything came back like normal and you know, but then, then this whole mold thing, my, the naturopath figured out that it was mold and we tested my house and da 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 the whole thing. So, um, yeah, so going into the coaching thing, uh, you know, how I, how I landed on it was through that movie heal, figured out I can, I can heal myself. And then all of a sudden I went to, I was going down this rabbit hole of, of kind of the coaching world and I was going to therapy at the time and, and it, and I, it wasn't really working too well for me. So I was thinking, wow, there's an opportunity for me to kind of figure some new stuff out that I'm interested in. And then plus, like, I want to hire my own coach because this therapy thing wasn't working. So I hired my own coach that I've been working with for about almost two years now. And, um, yeah, I just started the journey. And just it's all about just serving people, helping people, helping people get unstuck, get you know, wherever they are in their life, um, just helping them get out of their own way to create whatever, create whatever it is they want, you know. And um, a lot of the time it's just our story that holds us back. So it's like, here, let me get you out of that story and get you into doing the shit you're supposed to be doing in this life. Cause, cause guess what? You don't have much time left. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, again, back to this mortality thing. It's like, we all think we have all this time left, but guess what? We don't. So yeah. get, so get moving. Like, let's, let's like your past is your past. And it's like, that's cool. It's, it's good to understand it and recognize it. Yeah. But it's not about the past anymore. It's about today moving forward. What are we creating? Yeah, people are, people live in fear and people live, you know, um, they, they kind of make up excuses, you know, and, they, and obviously we like our comfort zone. So I'm sure, you know, it's real easy for people to get stuck, you know, and myself included, everybody has has gone through it, you know, so it's it's nice you're off, you're able to offer some insight and help people, you know, start a new chapter. Yeah, I mean, this whole idea of like going it alone, I think is just super uh, un, unreliable, unrealistic and overrated. And when you can like partner up with either group, like group work is amazing. Like men's group work, men's group stuff. Um, I have a couple men's groups I run and then I do my one-on-ones and stuff. But like, again, 
going it alone is 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 difficult yeah. and it's like yeah, you, you know, need accountability yeah accountability and you need your cheerleader but then you yeah need you need someone you need your someone to call you out too and call your call your bluff and call your story yeah and get you out of that shit right and move forward and create action around what, what it is that you want to be doing and 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 so i i feel for me personally it's like a really uh empowering um um, just process that I've been, you know, taking part of with my business, but then also being on the other end of the coaching relationship, having, having a coach, holy shit, man. Like if, if I didn't have this guy for the, for the last couple of years, it would be, um, fucking train wreck. I feel, I don't know, <laughs> like even more so. I mean, yeah, it's like, again, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's powerful work, man. That's all I can say. I can't, it's just hard to, hard to quantify it really. Yeah. It's just, it's like a buddy. You got a, you got a, you got an accountability buddy the whole way or whatever. So is this a, it's a business though, right? A ra- yeah. Radical Voyage is, um, is your yeah. mentoring kind of business. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's my business. I, so do you got, well, af- after this all goes through or bef- did you, did you do like a trip? Like a, a setup trip where you go surfing or yoga or how, what, what is rad, what's, what is radical voyage encompass besides mentoring? Um, I mean, radical voyage is just, I just call it that because like life is a radical voyage. Yeah. I mean, no matter like, I mean, look at what we're in right now. This is a fucking radical voyage, <laughs> you know, it's just like, we're just on a journey. So, um, it's, it encompasses, um, like I said, group work. Uh, I did, I did one retreat last, last year, but it was a local retreat okay. and I've been like super geared up to do bigger ones, like go on surf, yoga, coaching. That's what I'm talking about, dude. Yeah. That's what, that's what, that's what I was planning this year. And, and Jay, so honestly, uh, late night and, Martin, and late night and Chalky want to do a radical voyage with Troy Eckert. Dude, wouldn't yeah. that be fun? Fuck yeah, yes. Down to Mark and Dave's down in Coastal. <laughs> I know. No, dude, I talked to I talked to those guys about a couple of years ago about doing something with Cosm, but like, yeah, absolutely. Like Nicaragua, Costa Rica, El Salvador, all those places are on my list of places I want to go and take the boys and gals or whoever and go surf and and talk story and do yoga and just freaking enjoy life, really. Yeah. Do you, you still know? drink beers? Um, yeah, I will. I mean, every once in a while, I'm, I'm, I don't really drink all that much, honestly. Like, um, I, I just, I don't really have alcohol in the house, but it's like, if we're, if the boys are going out for a beer, like, oh, I'll totally have a beer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But truth be told, yeah. you used to rage against the machine, right? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the truth be told. Anybody that knows me, that there's no secret there, but, um, but we, yeah, we sure. had, uh, we had Logan Doolian on. Yeah. He is, he's like. Dude, those guys know how to party. <laughs> yeah. We, we, you know, hey, we did party our fucking asses off. Like, I, I will not, I will not, I will confirm, not deny that. <laughs> <laughs> You're here to tell the stories today. It's all good. That's right. That's right. That's right, boys. So let's go talk. Let's talk surf. Yeah. Are you guys editing this or is this like a run through? This is a run through, bro. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. We're like two hours in. Like, okay, cool. Let's go. It's, it's only yeah. a, an hour and 49 minutes. Yeah. Okay, okay. You're good. <laughs> so, Up to you guys, man. If you want to hear me fucking babble longer, it's all good. Oh, we love it. Um, so what do you what are you riding? What shapes and surfboards are you riding right now? I saw you on like a little kind of a twenty or something at Lore's. Lore. Yeah. That was, a, that was an album. Nice. Um, it's a five... Oh, I believe or five two. Yeah. yeah. A little, little, I think it's a, 
I think Josh Kerb was writing it before. It's like a, you know, I think he, he, well, Mike Townsend basically let me borrow that board. I think Josh mm. was writing it before. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm so in love with those boards and twin fins in general. Before that, I was writing a Christensen twin fin, which was 410, and it's way, it was wider and thicker. So very, uh, oh. skatey, very skatey. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Where are you at, Lar? Uh, connected. <laughs> Are you on your phone or your computer? Phone. And, and Troy, like, you're on your phone, right? Or computer, yeah, right? I'm on my phone. Damn, your your phone is like crystal clear. Oh, good. I'm you on my keep computer. Going? You there? Lar, can you hear yeah. us? Yeah, I, I see, hear you. I see okay. him. He got booted off. Are you on? Fucking Larson. Why? <laughs> Why? What'd I do? <laughs> um what were we talking about oh uh, Sur- surfboards. surfboards so that's yeah what you, yeah twin fin yeah yeah twin fins is what i've been riding i've been just kind of like stuck on those which i don't mind at all because they're so damn fun yeah i, I was on them. i was stuck on twin fins for like five or six years and yeah. then um got back on sh- kind of shortboards kind of grovelers and uh, right now I have a, a Stamps 5.5 2 plus 1 setup. Killer. And, bro, like that's like the best combination I think I've ever had in my life. Wow, that's epic. Yeah. it's It only yeah. it only works in like head high, overhead, and under. But, uh-huh. oh, my gosh, dude. Like today it was like perfect, perfect. Nice. Um, so fun. So, uh, did you ever make it to uh, a wave pool? No, I've never been. To, I've, I've totally never set the wave pool. This. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear yes. you. I can't hear Troy. You can't hello? hear Troy. Hello, uh, hello. Or see him. That's his connection because he's all fuzzy. I see it. Yeah, me and you are all crystal clear. Yeah, Lar. I'm gonna disconnect and loop me back in. Okay. <laughs> you guys are epic, dude. I love this. There, there you are. are. There you that are, you barn. <laughs> Freaking barn. Uh, Next time, do it clear, on your computer. Dude. You look good. Now you're good. all clear. Crystal clear. Um, Crystal. So you never made it to Kelly's pool? No, I've never surfed a, I've never surfed a wave pool before in my life. Wow. Yeah, I haven't I got, been there. I didn't get the memo. Okay, good. Did you Have you been there, Lyndon? Bro. He lives you there. have. You have been there. I've surfed it like five, five times. Yeah, well, next time you know who to call, yeah. me and Jay. Me and Jay. <laughs> your, your co-host, dude. Fucking call your co-host. Come on. He was invited, then he had to go to Hawaii. I know. Dude, he blew well, it. Well, hey, hey, invite me, and I won't go to Hawaii. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, second. I'll do my best. I'll do my best no, to get no, you guys invited. I, I, like wa- I like watching them. I like watching it, though. Right? And it, looks it looks amazing. Yeah. It looks Amazing. Amazing. I can't wait to ride a wave pool, put it that way. I can't yeah. wait till those, those um, Palm Springs ones open up. Yeah, there's like three, right? There, there's Kelly, then there's... Two Kellys. I, I heard there's going to be a two fourth Kellys? one, too. There's no, two no, no, Kellys? sorry. Kelly's, oh. and then... Um, Hobgood. Hobgood, and, and, and then Kalani. And then Kalani, and then Kalani yeah. And, yep, yep. But that then one, I heard... That one's gone. I heard of one more, too. Four, um, that, that's epic. Yeah, but my, I don't know my, who's behind it. 
my mom lives my mom lives out there so i'm like hell yeah <laughs> uh, might have to get a membership for one of those definitely um you've been snowboarding a lot like you, you go up to the mountains Dude, I haven't snowboarded in probably like four years. Holy smokes. Maybe longer. What? <laughs> yeah, I haven't been snowboarding, dude. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. I. It's funny, though. Actually, I've been getting the bug more this year, and it just didn't quite work out. You know, actually, a couple of weeks ago, when I think Mammoth got dumped on, it was like right at the beginning of the COVID thing, and then they closed the mountain. I was like almost going to go up there. I think it was, I think it was super good, but anyways, I haven't snowboarded at all. It's been surfing. I haven't foiling snowboarded foil, either. Foiling a little bit too, but I'm off the foil. I've been kind of, I kind of burn out on that for right now. Wow. You got into foiling, huh? Yeah. Big time. Did you get, did you get the hang of it? And Oh yeah. Damn. So fun. Yeah. We were doing, we were doing like whipping, whippings and stuff with the Hurleys and whatnot and on the skis and just Sano and oh yeah I didn't surf for like four months actually <laughs> hey speaking is it, is it good is it good for your surfing or bad like is because you gotta bad. lean forward right it's bad for your surfing yeah it's yeah. like the opposite that's yeah. why I got back on my surfboard but it's so fun it's like it's just it's just an added thing like you know it, it's an added cool thing when it's small and it's yeah. like nothing else it's like nothing I've ever done it's it's really fun dude some guy was foiling today on north side uh, in front of Tower Two, no way. Yeah, that front door, or yeah, Tower Two or the next tower over. Oh my uh, gosh! I was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" I would have freaked out on him. <laughs> Speaking of whippins, that fucking insane video you posted, and I, I I need you to send me a bunch of photos of you as a grom. Some of your acting Vulcan shots. days, acting, whatever. Because <laughs> if you look on it, we, we're going to promote this like every day for like a week yeah. to help promote this episode. But um, but yeah, talk, talk to us about that freaking, was it Baja Malibu or you were in Mexico somewhere where you whipped in and got that fucking 10 second barrel? Somewhere. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, it was Rose. It was Rosarito. I mean, yeah, it's the zone, dude. That <laughs> thing was insane. Did you yeah, get a couple was... of them that day? Or yeah, we got a few. That yeah, but that was the one. That, that was the best one that I ever gotten down there, dude. Did you see that, Lar? No, bro. It's it's, it it's it's old. It's, it's legit. It's four years old. It's funny. I was just thinking about it because, um. I don't know why it came in my mind, probably because I miss surfing right now or getting barreled, but um, I thought I was thinking about that day because it was that night Trump had got elected. <laughs> so here we are almost four years to the, you know, yeah. in November, it'll be four years. So it's just under four years. But I remember we were all and we knew we're like, holy shit, it's fucking on tomorrow. It was like everything was lining up. Right. And uh, and then Trump got elected and I went to, like went to, went to sleep, woke up in the morning at like four in the morning and like looked at my phone. It's like Trump got elected and we're like, Oh fuck dude. Is Mexico going to be like, is there going to be a fucking riot in Mexico? <laughs> like what is the wall going like, to get like, built right like, now? Like what are we going into right now? And I remember talking to Rusty Long and we were, he was like, yeah, man, I don't know. It's who, I don't know. Like could be sketchy, you know, like all of us, we were all just tripping and we ended up going across the border and it was just like, 
it was totally fucking mellow like of course like not like nothing going on like what who got elected like you know obviously when you get on tj and you get into rosarito zone it's just like nobody gives a shit so um <laughs> they, all and, they care about is the tourism yeah so uh but that was the trump we call it the trump swell because it was Dude. fucking some of the best pmx i've ever seen you were so pitted <laughs> slotted in that fucking thing and came out of it i was like oh my god such you, a good you day. have that on on you still have that in your phone right yeah, it's okay. on it's on my Instagram too, I think. But right. yeah, I have it on my phone. But text text me that video if you can. <clears throat> okay. Um, what else we got, Laura? Char- charger. Um, yeah, let's know, talk the, about where... charging. Where'd you? How'd you get the fucking cojones to charge? I'm not a charger, dude. Anything but. I fucking got my, you know. <laughs> I got my, uh, no, I'm not a charger. (laughs) (laughs) We we all like to think we are in our own little world, but when you you watch those guys that do charge, that like, that's their life. That's gnarly. Put it this way. I thought I was a charger up until last year when, um, I ended up out at Totos with Greg Long, Jojo Roper, and a couple other guys when the, all the the Ensenada, everything was closed and we, we took skis from uh, La Salina, which is pretty far, like really far. And um, it was some of the biggest ways I've ever seen. It was like Second Reef Totos. And I paddled out there and just was like, no, thank you. And paddled <laughs> right back to the ski. It was so big. Like even, even Greg and Jojo, those guys in the beginning of the session were like totally not. It took them like solid – 30 minutes, 45 minutes just to, just to catch a wave. And what and size when I, board are you on? I was on a nine, six and they were on 10, like 10 twos. I mean, it was humongous. Humongous. Like there was a wave breaking in the middle of Ensenada, like between La Salina. So like, you know, the point of, uh, say Salsa Puedes to Todos Santos Island. There's a, there was a wave breaking in the middle of the ocean out there. Like insane. So, Long story short, I like thought I was like Mister Whatever, and I'm just like fuck that. That was, that was I'm, I'm done with this shit. Those guys and, are you know, nuts. and I'm no spring chicken either, so it was kind of like I don't know. It was just so it was an interesting uh, moment for the ego, but uh, but when it comes but when it comes to like PMX barrels like that stuff that that, uh, that fuck yeah all day long like bring that shit on like let's go. <laughs> what's uh what's been your most memorable surf trip? Oh, that's a tough one, man. Because <clears throat> you've, you've been all over the place. I mean, Abby, it, Indo, Bowtrip, Hawaii. You you, I mean, you just named both of them, basically. So the, 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 boat, the boat trip with um, – it was with Bruce, Gavin, Ozzy, Dean Morrison. Um, Wooly was on it. I was on it. Um, uh, the dude – I forget what his name was. The guy that was shooting for the momentum. It was the momentum – it was the momentum with Bruce at the end section, and it was all the footage. You remember that footage of him up Kandui? Yeah. And uh, yeah. and and Lance's right and stuff. I was on that trip, and oh, it was blocked wow. up. It was that was. I mean, those are the best ways I've ever seen in my life for like a whatever ten day period. Um, so that was one, and then the other would be just any Tavarua trip when it's good, like yeah. any Tavarua trip when it's good. I mean, it's just that how many times have you been to Tavarua? probably Wally made that in the contract we're going like twice a year (laughs) yeah there was a few years we were doing twice a year i don't know i've been there probably 15 times son of a bitch (laughs) but i haven't been there in a while and i definitely need to get back man i miss it so bad lars been i've never been oh god as a goofy footer 
fuck. Yeah. Dude, you got you better go. You know, white can still stand up on your board. <laughs> what about Australia? You've been you've been to Australia yeah. a bunch? Yeah, definitely been to Australia, yeah. I mean I've never really like gone there for a surf trip. It's been more like go around the contest and you know, work work, work trips and things like that. So yeah. I've never I mean it's scored fun snapper, but you know how crowded that place is, it's freaking gnarly. So yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, boys. Well, uh, what what about like? I mean, you guys, you ran marketing. You were once a a pro. I you know when you were kind of kind of, <laughs> but like you know, you guys would have to strategize like who's getting ads and which mags and trying to rotate athletes. And now that's all gone for these kids. This next generation of surfers, like you, pretty much have to be a you know, your your own you know marketing. Um, kind of department you know so these yeah. kids these kids nowadays i mean it's it's interesting that you don't necessarily have to be the best surfer you just have to have a good persona a good angle a good look and i think that's always been the case but more so now than ever yeah i mean these kids i mean they they only have social media <clears throat> totally it's so different man i can't even i mean <laughs> I, I, so for context, I left in 2010 and that was the year Instagram was born. Yeah. So my whole 10 year Volcom was done old school print, yeah. Yeah. you know, right. and yeah, man, it's, you have to be a content creator. You have to know how to, you, you got to learn how to do it. You got to, you got to create your own content. You're your own, like you said, you're on your, your own marketer and you're, you're only as good as your last clip. <clears throat> Yeah, it sucks, man. It's so true, though. It's like, yeah, it's going to be so interesting to see what this next wave of action sports looks like because it's not like it's going away. It's just going to metamorphose into something different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that's exciting too. I think that's cool, you know. And even being where we are with all this, I mean, talk about you know turmoil with like no retail open and and just furloughs everywhere and all the brands i mean holy shit i just like I, I i feel i feel for everybody that's you know being dealt this card right now but again at the same in the same sense it's you know allowing all the retailers to relook at their strategies it's allowing the brands to look at their relook at their strategies it's allowing surfers to relook at their strategies i mean this is such a a a, a reset that it's it's just going to be things are going to be even more different than they already are you know, yeah. with with how it looks, how that environment looks for for surfers, for brands, for for surf shops, for yeah. I mean, you name it. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of went off on a tangent, but I think that um, no, there's there's some relevance there. No, I think your insight's good, and I mean, we all are kind of trying to throw our head around what it's going to be like, and I mean, our livelihood is core business, core surf shops, and yeah. you know, we need we need those you know, to stay healthy. We need those and not just one brand. We need all brands. We need the economy. We need everybody to, to, uh, do well. And it's hard right now. It's going to be, it's going to be a crazy time. Yeah. So, so the question is, what can you do right now? You know, and not, and not waiting for, Oh, it's going to be better. It's going to be the, like, we have, again, back to the unknown. We don't know what, what it's going to, what's going to happen. Yeah. So the question becomes, what can you do in this present moment? Because this is the present. This is what we got right here in front yeah. of us. Right. Versus yeah. like trying to forecast like, yeah. dude, there ain't no forecasting right now. No, nope. <laughs> like this is like all hands on deck. Let's fucking get creative. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's looking at your, your, 
your production. It's looking at your, your, your revenue streams. It's looking at like your overhead, everything. I mean, everything's on the chopping block right now. Yeah. And I think as companies need to collaborate with, with their customers and their shops, you know, to, to come up with creative ways of, of getting around. I don't know. I think that's an important thing is like trying to help our retailers succeed out of this or come out totally. of this. Well, I mean, your, your retailers are your local community. And mm-hmm. I mean, it goes back to supporting, you know, small business and, and the people that live in your community and no other better, whether it's a surf shop or a grocery store or a specialty store or, or you know, whatever, um, whatever products you're buying yeah. is try to focus local. Yeah. The, I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely doom and gloom, but we have really good retailers out there that are still fighting the fight, you know, mm. trying to do everything they can just, just online, you know, and promoting it heavily on the only platform that we have. And that's Instagram. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, well, it's, it's wild too, because even prior to this, it was like, there was so much, you know, turmoil within this sort of this world, this action sports world already. Yeah. yeah. And then you, then you just throw this on top. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, woo, you know, like take a deep breath. Yeah. Like here we go. Yeah. Now we're, now we're getting, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is, this is, it's now it's getting juicy, right? Now it's really fucking juicy. Yeah. So, it's going to be interesting. And who, who survives and what, what, what happens to a lot of brands? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Well, Radical Voyage is going to be around. <laughs> yeah, yeah Cosm's going to be yeah, around. I, I think you're. Gonna I don't know, Ruka. We're all going to be around, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Radical Voyage, you're going to get a lot of calls. I feel like this is going to be good for you. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> like this, that's what it's all about. Is like helping helping people get past you know the circumstances of. A lot of it is their mind and the thought process. You know, it's you yeah. can get your thinking into a different direction of prosperity and you know presence and and uh, just what is like embracing what is. Yeah. Once you can embrace what is, that's a lot of the time the biggest hurdle, right? Yeah. It's like thinking, like hoping or thinking we want something a certain different way, but it's like what's in front of you. What it's it's like this is what's happening. Yeah. Being real, being real to actually what's occurring in your life is what it's all about, and, and empowering yourself around that. Is I think the the golden the golden egg there. Well, I mean, what we love about why we do the, these interviews and why we started this podcast is because you know we got a lot of like minded people and you know we we love to inspire. We love to hear people's stories and it, and it gives people encouragement. It gives them you know a, a different perspective and outlook and and it gives them an idea of like wow I could actually you know try doing something different or you know do something I'm already doing better and, and I feel like we get a lot of you know, good feedback from these interviews. And I mean, yeah, this is, this is going to be a great one for people to reach out and dive into what you're doing on this radical voyage and your Cosm and everything else. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Hell yeah. a- after, uh, after the lockdown, after the shelter in place gets lifted, hopefully next month, uh, what's, what's your first, uh, surf trip or what's your first, uh, plan of, uh, plan of action? Uh, honestly, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how people, um, 
not communicate, but you know, as far as this whole physical distancing thing, right? Like I, I, the first thing I want to do is go hug my friends and hug my, (laughs) hug my, hug my kids and hug, hug, hug a stranger and hug a bum dude. Like fucking a for real. Like I'll do all of those except the bum. (laughs) Whatever. doesn't matter. It's like this, this whole thing is showing how, how um, connected we are. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's nobody's immune. So, and that's the, again, the beautiful thing about what we're going through is it's showing, showing each of us that. And for me, again, it's just like the physical, you know, connection of even just the energy exchange of being in somebody's presence and having a group of people. Like I want to be in a group of people again, you know, and like, just like, I want to go to yoga class. Yeah. Like, you know, connect in that that way. And, yeah. And uh, I mean, honestly, that's what I'm looking forward to the most is just like being able to like hug and be back to kind of that, that place, that yeah. space. Yeah. Shake hands. Like I want to fucking shake hands again. Yeah. You know, no more elbows, dude. I'm over the elbows. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, no. we're, we're just, we're, we're, uh, we're, uh, uh, human beings need, need that, that contact, that, um, you know, the, 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 whatever the tribe, like we need the tribe. That's yeah. how we survive. That's how we thrive. That's how we thrive, not just survive. Yeah. Yes. So I think that's, that's the biggest thing for me is to like connect with back with the tribe. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like simplifying not just your life, but your wants versus needs and, and a lot of kind of self-reflection. And again, just, you know, do I really need to go there? You know, and, and this is a perfect example of what we're doing here on this space time. I mean, do I, you know, just maybe not be as busy, you know, like you could still accomplish a lot by just staying in your own little comfort zone right here in my home office. Looking at you guys, I feel like I'm connected, but I do miss that. I wish you were in the room right now and we were cracking a couple beers. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we usually conduct these, uh, these yeah. interviews is uh, in, a, in a room with some beers. Yeah, maybe we could do a part two down the down the line here, oh, and we'll do you that. know we're gonna do a part two. <laughs> yeah, we're sure. gonna do after the after the lockdown, after yeah. the storm. Well, um, are you are you uh, do you follow like the tour and like the the CT and such? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like you play fantasy and, and I don't play fantasy, but I definitely follow the tour, and I'm a geek yeah. out. I geek on it hardcore. Like when it's on, I'm on it. Like yeah, who, yeah I love watching it. Who, so who's fun, your uh, who, sorry, sorry, Lars. Who's your favorite surfer of all time? Uh, that is such a tough question. Well, actually, no, it's not. It's Tom Curran. Okay, nice. It's Tom Curran for sure. Who Who oh, is the the, the, the the search? Oh my gosh! If yeah. you were to pick guys to put on a fantasy team, who are your five guys that you would put on your fantasy team? My five guys. It's supposed Holy to be eight, shit. but I'm just gonna give you five. Okay. Okay. No, no pressure. Remember, okay. you only got you only got fifty mil, so you can't just. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, well, well, for sure, John, 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 um, John, John. I mean, I'd have to put Gabriel Medina on there. It'd be stupid not to. Um, Gabriel. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Philippe is probably going to make it. Yep. Okay. I would say Philippe Toledo. Um, huh. Who else? Shit, you know what? Kind of a wild card would be for me would be, but he's not coming into his own. Would be Griffin Colapinto. Nice. I think that kid is just it's so sad that like insane. It's it's such a bummer that it's not happening because these guys are like 
ramping up right now, too. Yeah. So okay, that's even four. Kelly. That's four. Oh, Kelly. I don't. Uh, yeah, but as far as putting him on the uh, Kelly, I'm. I'm. I. I don't know if I'm going to put we, him on there. Who else? We, is, we 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 all want him to succeed and win, but yeah. at the same time, he's like hot, cold, hot, cold. Oh, he's so gnarly. Um, I don't know who who am I missing? I'm like blanking Italo, out. Kolohe, oh, oh, Italo, Kolohe, Jordi. Italo. Come on, Italo. Come on. Okay. So I had three. What do I have? Three, three, three Brazilians. Four. The, th- the three. Oh, no, yeah, four Griffin. Brazilian. Yeah, Griffin yeah. and John John. Shit, Griffin Chloe, and John John. Yeah, miss, Gabriel, Felipe, too. and Italo. J- J- Julian, Jordy. Gosh. Oh man, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that got that got really gnarly, dude. Well, it's funny because it's been so long since I what since the contest is beyond. I like forgot who's freaking in the WCT. Uh. Yeah. Well, for, of course, Italo. Of course, Ga- Ga- Gabriel. Of course, John John. Yeah, um, I mean Griffin would be a wild card, but I think I mean that kid's potential is like incredible. So yeah, I think I could stick to that that five pack. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think you and the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. If if you were uh... that was my first attempt at fantasy surfer right there. So, <laughs> so you, you you've heard of West Coast Board Riders Club, right? Of course. So what what team would you claim? I know uh, Huntington Newport Newport. Yeah. Yeah, Newport. Newport. Okay. yeah sure. Newport. But I, I haven't really been going to the contest lately because I have my kids on the weekends and then I just, I don't, it's been tough because I, I you know, I want to spend time with my kids and to drag them down and like, dad's going in the contest. I don't know. It's hard for me to wrap my head around that a little bit yeah, sometimes because yeah. I don't see, I don't see them all that much. So, but I, I think what they're, what that whole program is all about is so amazing. It's and so I'm, cool. re- I'm really going to um, try to put my hat in for lowers and maybe I can get a wild card for it because I surf there a lot. <laughs> And so does Dave Post, and but yeah, so I'm I'm really hoping that I can surf lowers if the thing even happens. I don't know when it's scheduled, but I don't, I, I, I don't think so, man. I don't when know. was it scheduled? I think June, May, Ooh. May, May. Yeah, that's tough. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. No, it's so dope. It's such a cool program. It's it's amazing. I'm I'm glad that uh, that's been. With a lack of Born surf and, contests and everything without a tour, I mean that was kind of what kept us going, you know, locally and and, yeah. and professionally. I mean, there's so many good guys that come and, and support those; it's insane. Totally, hey, so cool. This just dawned on me. There's never been a CT Newport guy. Yeah, there has Richie Collins. Yeah. Oh yeah, one come guy. On, dude. One, one guy. guy. <laughs> Skeletor, bro. Come on. I just, I just, I just saw Richie at lowers t- like last week. Oh my gosh! Yeah. T- he he Freaking was surfing out. Huntington a lot. I don't have, I haven't seen him in a long time. He's uh, yeah, I know he's he's all in good spirits. That's cool. I yeah. totally forgot about Richie, but that's it, yeah. right? Pretty, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I know. Not a lot of Americans making the tour these days. Mm-mm. No. Well, they're all St. Clemente. <laughs> Yeah, yeah Sankame is so gnarly. And a couple so Huntington gnarly. guys. But there's been a, a lot of Huntington guys over the years. Not yeah. me. I sucked at contests. <laughs> yeah, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot, uh, Troy. Right on. It's, uh, yeah. We're at two hours and 17 minutes. Wow. I'll, get, I'll give someone a medal if they make it through this whole thing. Bro, <laughs> you'd be surprised, man. Like People like the long... Uh, the long um, what do you call it? The long uh, episode interview. Yeah, yeah, long interviews. Podcast. Yeah. Nice, Troy, man. I've been we'll looking forward to this. Yeah. It didn't disappoint. 
Um, you're one of the fuck, man. You're you're one of the most respected guys in the industry. Um, For sure. I'm glad that uh, that you know you're doing well, and and after this, we we all want to go on a radical voyage with you. For damn sure, um, maybe I'll see it lowers. I'm sure Laura will see it lower soon. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Thank Don't you. forget uh, to text me photos and videos so I can promote. Yes. Okay, all right, sounds good. Stay healthy. Stay yeah, six boys, feet you apart. too. Yeah. yeah, yep, six feet apart. Love you guys. Peace Love out. you. Peace. Later. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.